Welcome to ECB Everything College Basketball. Cooking it up with Tyler, Josh, and Peyton. Yeah. It's everything college basketball. We're marching on to the madness. Come to the full court press. Every crazy dunk in the conference and how that team's match up. We're pulling your poles, taking your bows, letting the Burton brothers know. The players you're watching, the teachers you're not with, and who you see in the final four. With them shout outs and weekly pickums. Plus those crazy rants from Tyler, Josh, and Peyton. It's ECB. Everything college basketball. Training three. Man, this podcast has it all. It's ECB. Everything college basketball. Training three. Yeah, now the moment you've all been waiting for Your host, from the corner It's Josh and Peyton Burton With Tyler Cool Everything College Basketball Podcast Welcome to another edition of Everything College Basketball, episode number 40. And fellas, can you believe we are 40 episodes deep? I'm, of course, Josh Burton. My name's Peyton Burton. Tyler Cook. 40 episodes. It literally felt like the other day when we started episode one and tried to start this adventure together. And this is before Tyler joined in as a full-time uh, full time with us. Yeah. Peyton, you remember episode one? Out there in the, out there in the car, kind yeah. of... At, nighttime and just had no idea what the hell we were doing literally josh came and got me and asked me if i wanted to do the podcast and i said yeah sure was not prepared for anything no. kind of scrambled to get some notes down and then we went to mom's car in the garage and recorded an episode with uh, his phone and like a headphone splitter um it sounded terrible but we've learned and we've gotten better and now upgraded equipment upgraded equipment and now we're better now so yeah. Uh, Tyler, you remember that first episode we had you on as a guest at the time before you joined on full-time with us? Yeah, you changed your studio from the car to your bedroom. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. We used to use the phone at the time. It just it sounded better, but I don't know. It's fun to talk basketball, so I don't care where the hell we do it at. Yeah, 40 episodes deep, of course, along that journey with us for the vast majority of them is our, uh, our sponsor and friend from Applied Right Painting and Restoration – Everything you need for the painting and anything like that that you need, commercial, industrial, and all that, hit up J.R. Rowe and Company at Applied Right Painting and Restoration. Of course, let them know ECB sent you. We get a little kickback for every job that we refer you to. So help us help you help them, if that made any sense at all. It works. Um, J.R., I need a quote come springtime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Applied Right Painting and Restoration, of course, sponsors us week in and week out here. Looking back, uh, kind of tidying some stuff up from last week's episode where we previewed and oh, Big 12. the Big 12, <laughs> broke down the Big 12. Is anything kind of looking back that, um, or maybe feedback that you guys got on our rankings, uh, standings, superlatives, anything you guys kind of want to tidy up from that episode? No, Kansas number one. That's all we needed. <laughs> yeah, I thought we got the rankings and everything just fine. Yeah, I feel like they're close. Obviously, as we'll get into today, today's about the ACC, but – when you start getting into like that four, five, six, seven region, it, it can flip flop. In all honesty, there's not many. We previewed um, just a little bit ago, or 
yesterday or whenever for the YouTube show, Peyton and I, we talked about the top four in the Pac-12 were separated from the rest of the conference. But really when you got down to five through eight, you could flip-flop. And I felt that the same way with you. You look at the Big 12, we talked about teams like Oklahoma, Iowa State, Texas. At the end of the year, if those teams are in reverse order in what we said, it's not going to surprise me. No, not at all. No, and that's, that shows for a good conference. you got a lot of jockeying in the middle for hard positions, and that's that's just the way it is in, in these big conferences. you got these opportunities to move up a little bit when you're a little bit of an underdog. Yeah. Um, obviously, too, not too long after we got done recording last week, episode number 39, we went ahead and did the big reveal. Peyton had been working hard for a number of weeks there, and finally, online now, you need to go to Everything College Basketball, our official website, ecbpodcast10.com. That's where we'll have all of our stuff. You'll find links now to blogs that we write, and we will have other people come in and start writing articles for us and blogs that you'll find. It's all our opinion. It's not. We do lay some with stats and facts, but so you'll find our articles there. You'll find links to our merchandise, find links to these podcasts. You'll find links to the YouTube show. Uh, Peyton's got his own crystal ball recruiting predictions at his own words, updates on thrice weekly, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, right? Thrice, are you a skateboarder? (laughs) Thrice weekly, (laughs) thrice weekly. Um, His recruiting stuff, he's right now taking care of business with the class of 2020. Yep. Been updating stuff, so that's where you'll find all that, and many more. It's a brand new website, so obviously once we start filling and finding our way through, more will be added, content will be added if not daily, multiple times per week. So you need to go, if you haven't done it by now, bookmark, save, favorite, everything. ECBpodcast10.com. That's the only spot you'll need to go for all things college basketball from here on out. Yeah, and once the season starts, obviously we got blogs on that on there now. I just finished my second blog talking about the Louisville Cardinals. Um, the only one I'm doing about Louisville, so I just finished that now. And... Um, what was it? Oh, the, as soon as we get to the season, we'll start doing the pick'em standings. They'll be exclusively on the website. And also our YouTube previews will be exclusively on the website too. Yeah, for sure. It'll be some uh, website exclusives. And Tyler too, <clears throat> excuse me, we need to make it clear too that the Facebook group, www.facebook.com slash group slash everything college basketball, won't be affected by this at all. I've had some people ask, well, okay, well, what are we going to do now is a, everything like you're going to start a message board on the website. It's not going to happen. All in, the Twitter's not going to be affected either. Everything that's still in the Facebook group will still be there. All the discussions, everything. It's just now we have a link to have everything, and there will be some website exclusive stuff like blogs, like the merchandise, the YouTube show stuff. Um, you'll find podcast links. We'll have, like Peyton mentioned, the weekly pick'em standings, yep. stuff like that. But Tyler, as far as the Facebook stuff, we're not touching that. No, it's it's what got us where we are now, and we kept telling you we're growing. This is just another step on the in the path that we're wanting to go. Having a website helps draw in a, a bigger crowd. It's easier for people to find us, and then they can join the group after that. So, so the group's going to continue to grow <clears> strong. Like we, like we did last year, it's just going to keep getting bigger. But just the website, just just another step in the right direction for us to get get bigger and get more uh, basketball-minded people in there with us. Yeah, for sure. And obviously every click or visit helps us, helps with algorithms, helps with sponsor ads and all that stuff. So, again, ecbpodcast10.com. That's the number 10, not actual T-E-N. Where did the 10 come from? 
Um, it's just kind of like a uh, there was a lot on like the Twitter page. Yeah, used to be. ECB podcast or ECB was taken for some reason. Yeah, I just picked a number and um, number two was the first number that came in my mind. So that's why. <laughs> that's why yeah. it fits in. Yeah, and you'll have to excuse me if my voice keeps coming in and out. Dealt this week with uh, that nasty ass bronchitis and remnants of the flu. So yeah, hopefully, I, uh, hopefully I'm holding up here. I got a poncho on me blocking everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, hey, today we mentioned it. We are previewing the ACC. This is one of the last big – I think it is the last big Power 5 conference now that we need to cover and preview. Um, and we'll have all that done bringing it to you. The ACC year in and year out one of the premier conferences in college basketball. Has the most teams inside of it as far as number of teams. I think 15 is the most that any conference has. Yep. And it's – Expected to be a powerhouse again this year. The top's going to be really good. The middle's going to be good enough. And then, like any other conference, the bottom's going to be bad. But the ACC will preview and predict them here in just a little bit. But before we do, Peyton, show some love to our good friends from EPW. Yep. Conrad Cushman is the host of the Everything Pro Wrestling podcast. Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans. For the fans, and you can find that podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and all other podcast services sites. He also has a YouTube channel, so go to youtube.com and the search bar, type in everything pro wrestling, and hit that subscribe button. Yeah, Conrad, like I said, we've said it for a long time. He's, everything pro wrestling is basically our sister site. Uh, good stuff. We kind of share information as far as how to build stuff. He's in our group, we're in his. Good collaboration. But enough of that. <clears throat> We're going to take a pause for the cause when we come back. We'll go ahead and tell you and let you know how the ACC, the um, Atlantic Coast Conference, will play out this year. Is it going to be another Duke Carolina Fest at the top? Or will there be another team that comes in and breaks the monotony? Will the defending champions, not only conference champions, but the defending national champions, do they have enough firepower to reclaim their throne atop the conference? You'll find all that out and more on the other side of this break. Do you like t-shirts? Do you like being in control of customizing your own t-shirts? Well, have no fear. Mr. T's is here. I am Tyler Cook, owner and operator of Mr. T's customizable t-shirts. I can do anything that you need as far as, you know, wedding parties, birthdays, anything that you want and need, come to me and I can see if I'll help you out. You can reach me on Facebook. Just search Tyler Cook in there. Uh, you can find me. Any, you can get my email. I'll send out an email. I'm going to create a page that I'll later add in here. But uh, anything that you need as far as customizable T-shirts, I can I can hook you up. I can get you done right at a reasonable price. But other than that, go back to hearing our wonderful voices on ECB Podcast. You're listening to everything. College Basketball Podcast. Go ECB! Go ECB! You know, it's no surprise, we talked about at the top of the program, that year in and year out, whether they're number one as far as conference ratings go, or they're two or three, the ACC's always right up there. And if you look back the last ten years... They've had a team that's played in the title game or actually won the national championship, I think like four, five, six times. You look back to Duke won it in 2010, Duke won it in 2015, a title they shouldn't have won, by the way. 
<laughs> Kentucky was the best team that year. Salty. Wisconsin beat them. Um, <laughs> Carolina loses a title game to Villanova, bounces back, wins it against Gonzaga. Virginia is the reigning defending national champions. You look at the final fours the last 10 years, Syracuse has made a couple. Obviously, Duke, Carolina, Virginia. So the conference, at least the top part, is always really good. And that's not including teams that are year in and year out good, like Florida State. Miami's had some streaks of being good. NC State here and there. Pittsburgh. So you come to expect greatness in an extremely tough and competitive conference from the ACC. Looking into the ACC this year, we'll go ahead and start with the superlatives or our preseason awards. Yep. I think across the board, I know for us anyways, our preseason player of the year, you could have went with a young guy as a freshman. There's a lot of talent in this conference, obviously. But I think the unanimous pick for us, you go to the Louisville Cardinals, you look at their best player, mm-hmm. their biggest returning scorer coming back, the guy who's expected to lead them to the promised land again, Peyton, we're looking at Jordan Nora for a preseason player of the year in the conference. Yes, sir. Nora was the ACC most improved player last year. Um, he averaged 17 points per game, and this year I expect more of the same from him. Yeah, I think there's, especially with Louisville, we'll get into it. It's got a lot of ex- expectations to be really good this year, Tyler. And a guy like Nora coming back being their leading scorer, their, the heart and soul of their team, even though they didn't vote him as a captain, ironically. Um, but he leads by example on the floor. Explain to that what kind of uh, impact that has for a guy coming back that's expected to be this good on a team that's expected to be really good. Well, when you're leading by example, you're showing everybody else you're setting the pace. You're showing these guys what needs to be done. Captain or not, if you're putting all out on the floor, people are going to follow you anyways. You don't have to have that big C on your chest to be a leader. And I've seen that in multiple situations across the country. And Jordan Noah has been a, a very good example of this to where he comes out and plays as hard as he can every game and warranted last year being the most improved player. So this this year, this is a good solid pick. If this was a pizza review here from uh, El Presidente, this, yeah. this would be like an 8.3, and that's a pretty damn high score. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, shout out to Barstool there. Yeah, what up? Get uh, me on there. Let's get out there. Yeah, but Jordan, Jordan Moore, though, as far as his game translates, he's not the most athletic guy, but he can play above the rim. Yeah. Um, definitely he can knock down an open three. He can <laughs> knock down a contested jump shot, both mm-hmm. two and three. Got a decent mid-range game. Can post up smaller guards because he's got good body frame on him. Can get to the rim. I think the two areas he needs to work on the most is improving his defense, staying in front of the ball handle or not risking uh, trying to get the easy pickpocket, go down for a layup. And I think he needs to get to the foul line more. Yeah, um, you mentioned the defense. Uh, definitely on ball, he needs to improve on. But one thing he's underrated at, and I've been watching a lot of his highlights the past couple of weeks here, he is really good at getting deflections. Yeah. He, anytime a pass is even near him, he'll somehow get his hand out there and deflect it and get a wide open dunk, fast break uh, dunk or something like that. So he's really good at getting deflections. You mentioned how good of a shooter he is. He can attack the rim well as well. He can pass. He's an all-around, he's a great player. And Cook said something about um, how he's not a captain for the team. I feel like captain don't really mean much because it's just a label to me. It doesn't mean anything really. Oh, it does, but not to me. Um, you can still have leadership skills and stuff like that, but now that you have the captain on your um, team. Yeah, I think there's some truth to that, but there is, I think, too, I don't want to devalue the importance of being the captain because the captain's given to the person who's vocal, who you can trust night in, night out, who 
is supposed to when times get tough is rally the troops kind of deal. So I do think that having that's important. Um, it's also nice to put on your resume and stuff too. But I tell you what, you mentioned the defensive part of it, getting deflections and all that. Again, I think across the board for the preseason defensive player of the year, this was kind of an easy one. Yes, it's one of the kind of an one. easy one. Uh, Peyton, I'll let you take it away. All defensive player of the year, uh, Trey Jones from Duke, sophomore. Um, he was one of the best defenders last year in the nation. It was him and Ashton Hagens who were battling back for defensive player of the year. Um, all around, he's a great on ball defender. He really at the beginning of the season last year, he really he really did well. Um, then he started to slow down the second half of the season. I don't know what happened. Well, it's that freshman wall that every one of them hit. It doesn't matter if you're a superstar or if you're a two or three star kid. You always have that point towards the middle part of the year where you just that grind, man. It's not like high school. No, like you play all these games, you're playing physical. You got to do the classwork. You got to you got to battle it night in and night out in practices. So every freshman at some point hits a wall. Yeah, but you gotta remember too. Last year they had the Zion uh, yeah. problems with injury. <clears throat> Cam Reddish, they they had people with injuries that were there to back him up, so he was able to get up in the ball without a worry. Right. So that that could have been part of it too, where he was trying to compensate a little bit without having his rim protectors back there too. So defensively, this guy is on par to be the best one in the conference, maybe even in the country. Yeah, I would put him right up there with Marcus Garrett. <clears throat> put him right up there with Ashton Hagen as far as on ball defenders. All in the same mold. Trey's going to, if he wants to, he will pressure you 94 feet. He will turn you. He's not the type that's always going to look to maybe pick your pocket. But when you fall asleep because he's just sliding you, turning you, making you work, making you work, you're going to leave the ball out there just slightly, and he's going to dive in, take it, go down and score a layup. Offensive problems aside, but defensively, you're not going to find many better defenders than Trey. No. The way he can just get up after you and – disrupt really your whole flow of your offense because if your point guard's worried about getting the ball up and protecting the ball without turning it over he's not necessarily thinking about trying to get somebody open for a shot or run the play mm-hmm. so trey jones unanimous defensive player of the year preseason for us yep freshman of the year again pretty much unanimous across the board peyton's favorite freshman in the in college basketball this year one of the most explosive freshmen especially point guards we've seen in quite some time. <clears throat> Athletic freak, good jump shot. He's a lefty, right? He's a righty. A righty, righty. Pull up from anywhere, attack the rim, great vision. He's a guy literally this year, if everything falls into place, could average 14, 15 points and 10, 10 11 assists if everything, especially playing in this team system. We're talking about none other than Cole Anthony from North Carolina. What more can you say about him? If you've seen him play, you know what type of athlete he is. I mean, come on now. If you've been listening to podcasts for now, you know how much I love this kid. He is phenomenal. I said this in my blog, which is on ecbpodcast10.com, just saying. Um, I said this on my blog that he's a once-in-a-generation athlete. He's a a once-in-a-generation guy. I absolutely love the kid. Um, He's awesome. Great defender. Great on, not great defender. Great um, offensive uh, player. Uh, he's great at attacking the rim. He's explosive. He can shoot, hit the jump shot, and facilitate. He is gonna flourish in that system that Willie Williams likes to run. And he's got Tyler. He eludes swagger and confidence. Like he, he, him, and North Carolina fit like a hand in a glove, right? Or peanut butter and jelly, whatever analogy you want to use. 
like this swagger, and he's not somebody that goes out and maybe talks a lot. He will chat, and he will chatter some, but just like the way he carries himself, he presents himself as a superstar, and Carolina fans, in college f- basketball fans in general, are going to enjoy watching this kid for the one year he's going to be in college. Yeah, he's going to be a, a big delight for any fan, really, from like you said, the way he carries himself. But as far as instant impact coming in, there isn't a freshman that's within two steps of this kid as far as talent-wise in the ACC, pretty much the country. There are a couple – there are very few freshmen in the country that are going to be as prolific as Cole Anthony. But in this conference, there is no one that's coming in that's going to be as good as he is. So. And and he's going to have – being the starting point guard, he's going to have the ball mm-hmm. in his hands for Roy Williams' club. I mean, right from the get-go. And in the way North Carolina – I talked about the system when she plays in. Yeah. Up and down the floor, up and down the floor, up and down the floor. His court vision – there's going to be times this season he's going to get an outlet pass 70 feet down the floor, and he's going to have a big run, and he's going to make one outlet pass, and it's going to be a top a sports center top 10 play. I mean, it's just – that's the kind of – like I said, it's a perfect fit. Yes. Yep. So, Unanimous across the board here with this guy. Yep. So, Cole Anthony, so. freshman player of the year. I think if there's anybody else you want to keep an eye out on, you Duke has a couple. You look at Vernon Carey Jr. You look at Matthew Hurt from Duke. Um, I was going to say something about that. If you look at his talent and look at the other players who could be a candidate for freshman year, you look at all the Duke players, you Vernon K. Jr., Matthew Hurt, Cassius Stanley, Wendell yep. Moore, Kehlani, Armando Bequette. Uh, you got all these great – and obviously all the Louisville freshmen we have. We've got so many candidates, and Cole Anthony, we swept it here. That's saying something. Yeah, and it wasn't really close either. It was not close. It wasn't close. So, Cole Anthony, a unanimous ACC Freshman Player of the Year from us here at ECB. Moving on to the other two awards here. Most underrated player. This is where we start to differ a little bit. Peyton, I'll let you go first. My most underrated player is Dwayne Sutton from Louisville. Sutton did extremely well last year for the Louisville Cardinals, and he doesn't get the respect he deserves. He averaged 10 points per game with 7 rebounds per game. And if you look back at the games he played, um, all around he was just phenomenal. Uh, on the offensive, offensive side of the ball, he was great. He tore Carolina up in that 23-point uh, victory at Chapel Hill. At Chapel Hill in the he first matchup. He tore Carolina up on offense and defense. He's clearly my most underrated player. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. But I go down to Jim Laranega's club down there at the Miami Hurricanes. You look at a guy like Chris Likes. Um, doesn't get the publicity or love that you know other guys that we'd mentioned in the past do. But you look at Likes coming back to the – to the Hurricanes program this year, where is he? Oh, he's a, and he's only five nine. He's so five, keep yes. keep in mind he's a five nine junior guard, 150, 157 pounds, pretty much soaking wet. But he's super strong for his his size or their lack thereof. Running the show for Laranegas Club, started all thirty two games last year as a sophomore, played roughly thirty four minutes. 16.2 points per game, 3.2 assists, always shooting roughly 32% from three. He's a kid that, again, doesn't get a lot of love because you look back last year, who got the love in the ACC? You look at the Duke trio, really the Duke foursome there if you bring in Trey Jones. Yeah. You look at some of the Louisville players. You look at the Carolina players, Kenny Williams. <clears throat> you look at um, Luke May, Kobe White. Yes. So he really fell – and then the Virginia guys, he fell under the radar – He's a kid that's coming back as a junior. Again, 5'9", bringing 16 points back to the table. It's going to help 
be the catalyst for Miami should they make the tournament again. I think you got to keep an eye on Chris Likes. Yes. I don't think he gets the love. He, we talk about small guards, too. You remember our, our favorite small guard from last year was Chris Clemens. Yep, Chris Clemens. Led, led the nation in scoring the past two years and while he was in college. He stood like 5'8", 5'9", 5'10", as well. Yeah. So keep an eye on Chris Likes. He's a guy that can, on a given night, go get you 35, 40 points. He tore Louisville up last season. Last year, he tore Louisville up. I think it was the first, I think it was our ACC opener. Watched that game, and he tore us up. I remember this kid. Great pick. Yep. Tyler, you think about two <clears throat> small guards across the board. You look at it, even in back in college, you look at a guy like um, Isaiah Thomas that played at Washington. What was he able to do, you know, being at 5'8", five, 5'9"? Five, you look at Nate Robinson back in the day. These small guards now, like we mentioned, our buddy Chris Clemens from Campbell last year led the nation in the scoring. I don't think these small guards get enough love like Chris likes. No. No, these, these guys are just swept under the rug, so to speak, for their size. But there are guys that have huge impacts, like you mentioned, Isaiah Thomas. We had a Yogi Ferrell in IU for all yep, you IU fans you. here. They're, they're guys Tyler that, Uless. I was going to mention Tyler, Tyler Uless, yeah. that really come in and, and have a huge impact. There was a kid from Oklahoma State that could shoot from half court that was a super small guard. I remember his shorts almost touched his shoelaces because they didn't have nothing to fit him. <laughs> but, man, this, this kid, these kids that are this small, are just they kind of get pushed on the wayside. But, you know, Chris Clemens, we shout out to you. We gave you all kinds of love on Twitter and everything. You gave us a little shout back. Yep. But these, these guys are, are great players. I mean, they're few and far in between because the size, obviously. But when they come in, they are ball players. Yes, yeah, so that leaves us with our most improved. <clears throat> I'll go ahead and lead off. And, Tyler, I know this. you loved Virginia last season, yeah, the really style of play. Up. And you go to Kihei Clark. Kihei Clark played a lot of minutes. He played in just every game that Virginia played in last year, which culminated in the national championship. He was the backup point guard. He would come in and spell. I think he was even maybe the sixth man or seventh man. He would spell Ty Jerome. He would spell Kyle Guy. Small guard himself, but elusive speed with the ball from end to end. You know he defends well. He gets after you. Good playmaker. But now the reason I think he's going to be most improved is because now he's the main guy running the show for Virginia this year. You know, Guy's gone. Ty Jerome's gone. DeAndre Hunter is gone. So the spot opens up. He slots in there. I expect his numbers to go up. I expect the shooting percentage to go up. And I expect him to keep the same defensive tenacity because you know playing for Tony Bennett, you have to defend. I expect Kihei Clark to be the most improved inside the conference this year. Tyler, I know you love yeah, the this, Virginia team. And I've said it all year, boys. I said they were going to do it, and they did. And this this kid was a contributor. He played, he played almost half the game, all for averages. He averaged 26 and a half points or points, minutes per game. He put up about five points a game. But like you said, Josh, this is going to be a kid that's going to come in with the uh, with the reins in his hands. He's going to be a distributor. He's going to be a, a, an annoying defender. He's not going to get you a lot of points, but he's going to do a lot of intangible stuff that's going to put Virginia in China predicament to be back on the top of the ACC here. Yeah, and he's been there and done that. That experience from last season – um, you can't overstate that, and I expect him to have a big, really big year this year. Yeah, man, um, I agree with Cook. I um, I predicted Virginia win the championship. No, I'm just kidding. No, I didn't. <laughs> I doubted them the whole year. I did not like them at all. But hey, that's a good pick. Um, my most improved player of the year. A little bit biased, but I don't care. Darius Perry. Um, he was one of the best on-ball defenders for Louisville last year. It was him and Corn Four who just get after guys. Um, he averaged only around five points per game. 
But from the things I've been hearing, all these um, Louisville sites and all, like Chris Max has been talking highly of Terrius Perry. I don't know if he, they're just gassing him up or whatever. But from all the things I've been hearing, I expect him to improve tremendously this year. One thing he needs to work on, obviously on ball, defensive, um, he's great. But on his offensive side of the ball, he needs to hit shots more consistently and he needs to stop making dumb decisions. It's a good one. Moving on to our all-ACC first team, for me, it was pretty simple for the top four. The fifth one was interesting, but the top four, you go Jordan Orrett, Cole Anthony, Vernon Carey Jr., from the freshman from Duke. You look at Markel Johnson, the superstar player from uh, North Carolina State. And my fifth one on the all-first team ACC, you go Xavier Johnson from Pittsburgh, the sophomore. Think about this. He was the only player that was from a non-Duke North Carolina school that made the all-freshman team last year. Two Duke, two North Carolina, and then Xavier Johnson from Pittsburgh. He's a kid that averages like 15, 16 points a game. Big-time score. Pittsburgh's going to rely on him a lot this season. I have him with a big year again. He rounds up my all-ACC first team. Me and Josh, we kind of had the same ones. Uh, we got three of them correct. Um, Jordan Noor, Trey Jones, Vernon Carey Jr., Cole Anthony, and Mommy D. Diakite from Virginia. That's my first team um, ACC. Yeah. So now it's time to move on. We go from the superlatives. Now it's time to get down to the nitty-gritty. Previewing the ACC, breaking them down 1 through 15, which is crazy they've got 15 teams. That's so weird. I like it. They still weird. Um, they play an 18 game schedule too, so obviously you're not going to play everybody once. Or sorry, not everybody twice. Um, so getting into it, Tyler, let's start at the bottom. You got a team that was in the tournament last year that damn near came super close to beating Duke in the Holy in hell. the NCAA tournament. Beat Duke once without <clears throat> Zion last year, but you're turning over. You lose your head coach. You lose your top two players. Kerry Blackshear Jr. leaves to go to Florida. You lose Chris Clark, leaves to go to Texas Tech. You lose a couple other key contributors. Not much coming in. Tyler, we got Virginia Tech number 15. Yeah, last year they had they had a great run. They ended up 26-9, and 9, uh, 12 and 6 overall in the conference. Like you said, one of my favorite players to watch last year was Kerry uh, Blackshear Jr. Almost 15 points a game, almost eight rebounds, bouncing out and going down to Florida. Uh, we had a lot of a lot of losses. That Nikhil and Anderson, Alexander Walker. These hyphens mess me up. Oh, I forgot to. It's the NBA player. He's in the pros now. Off. Ty Outlaw's gone. Ahmad Hill. I mean, they're, they've lost over sixty points of production to transfers or to the draft or graduation. They've lost a ton coming back. They've only got thirteen points average last year coming back. So this this is a huge factor as to why they're at the bottom of the, the totem behoyer here because they don't have they have nothing that's left on the team that's done anything proven. Yeah, including a head coach. Uh, they bring in Mike Young, who obviously seen what he's done at Walford. Yep. But it, it's a tough tale. I mean, like the cupboard's bare like that. It's going to be a three-, four-year project to get Virginia Tech back up and rolling again. So the bottom of the bottom – Virginia Tech across the board. They do got an upside, though. They do got four-star Jalen Cohn coming in, who's 5'11". He's a freshman. He's a good player. He's explosive. He's very quick, and he can hit a three consistently. But that's not going to help at all. Yeah. It, the cupboard's bare. Yeah, six points a game from that guy ain't going to help you out much. Yeah. No. <laughs> so moving on up, number 14 in the ACC preview. 
Oh, we got the Boston College Eagles. Oh, let me switch it over here. I got flip page. Where are they at? Boston unprepared. Yeah, unprepared. Whatever. Ridiculous. Boston College. Uh, they finished fourteen and seventeen last year. ACC record is five and thirteen. They was tied for eleventh. Not much going on there. Uh, they do lose Kai Bowman, who's a big, big scoring piece. He's man. in the NBA now. I think he actually made a roster. Um, big time scorer <clears throat> last season. Average nineteen points per game with seven and a half rebounds per game. We lose Jordan Chapman, a six-five guard, thirteen point two points per game, two point two rebounds per game. Um, guys coming back, they do bring in or bring back. Hold on, where's he at? Where's he at? Uh, Derek Thornton. Well, not bring back. He's a grad transfer from oh, USC. Yeah, 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 that's right. Big time player at USC, actually. Mm-hmm. They bring back him, seven point eight points uh, points per game. They bring in Winston Tabs. Yep. Did you say his name? Yep. Uh, 13.9 points per game, 3.9 rebounds per game. He's a sophomore, 6'2 guard, 193 pounds. Um, he has scoring potential. Needs to improve shooting range, though. Yeah, you bring back two. You bring back a starter, Nick Popovich. Uh, he's a big guy in the post, 6'11. He's a senior. Average 14.5 points, <clears throat> 7.2 rebounds. You bring in Chris Heron Jr. See if, as a sophomore. If that name sounds familiar, his dad is the one they did the 30 for 30 on a few years back. Uh, Chris Heron, the big-time player at Boston College back in the 90s that had that the drug addiction. I think it was heroin and stuff. Great 30 for 30. You need to go check that out. Unguarded was the name of it. Played in the pros. I think he played for Boston and a few other teams. But obviously he's got some talent as well. Yeah. He maybe not have the same talent <clears throat> as his dad did at Boston College back in the day. But if he's got any sort of reliability or the, the genes came through, he could be a big contributor for the Eagles this year. Getting Derek Thornton's big for him. Yeah. A guy that uh, played big minutes at USC last season. Will come in and help run the show right away. Can score a little bit. He averaged 4.3 assists last year for USC as well. But with all that being said, I don't know if it's going to be enough for Boston College to really make too big of a deal. They tied for 11th in the conference last year, going 5-13. and 13. I don't see them doing much better than that. No. In the past three years, they've only won 14 conference games. Four years ago, actually, they didn't win a single one. Boston College has been a kind of a bottom feeder for a pretty good amount of time in the ACC. Yeah. So moving on up, number 13. We got the Pittsburgh Panthers. Pittsburgh last season finished 14 and 19. Um, 3 and 15 in the ACC. Terrible. It was Jeff Capel's first year there, yeah. too. I mean, he, so, he when he took over for the uh, Kevin Stallings, who used to be at Vanderbilt, Kevin Stallings was such a terrible hire there. Um, I, I'm glad he's gone because he was such a crybaby and, like, just the stuff he would do to the like play. I'm glad he was gone. It's everybody knew it was going to be a struggle for Capel coming in, but we talked about Xavier Johnson. Yep, Dave, Xavier Johnson's there. They've got a couple other good pieces. Trey McGowan's a six-three sophomore, averaged about twelve a game last year. They do get a UNC Greensboro transfer. The six-nine senior Eric Hamilton averaged six point one points, about five, four and a half, five rebounds per game. That'll help with the experience factor. Um, Trey McGowan's coming back does help because he lit Louisville up last year, um, especially in that first game that we played him. He lit us up. I think he scored like 25 points, something like that. Um, dude's phenomenal. He can get to the basket with ease, and he can finish. Yeah, so 
Tyler, anything else you want to add on Pittsburgh? I think it's just going to be another building block here. They're another bottom feeder. They're four years removed from actually making the big dance in the year. They did make it. They got bounced first round. So Pittsburgh hasn't been making any noise in a long time. Yeah, not since the Big East days when they were like number one overall seed and they had Dewan Blair and company. And yeah. that was a That's wild. That's in, in the rear view a long way away. Moving on up to the number 12 in the ACC, Tyler. This team right here is interesting. We'll get into it for reasons why they are uh, an anomaly. That's none other than the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Yes, sir. Fucking see where the hell I'm going. <laughs> see? Georgia Tech here is under Josh Pashner. Last year they went 14-18, and 6-12 and 12 in the conference. They didn't make the dance. They didn't make any postseason type of things. They've lost – their three key losses was a guard, Brandon Austin, who was seven points a game. I can't say this cat's name saved my life. Guinai. Oh, my God. Abadule yeah. Guinai. Yeah, it's close enough. close. Listen, yeah, yeah. Man, maybe a sinus infection is helping me out. 6.6 <laughs> points. Another guard, Curtis Haywood, 5.6. So, they're not losing a lot as far as point production. This year, they got, they got a lot coming back. A lot of juniors and seniors – Coming back to this team, they got a guy from Indianapolis here. What's his name? Oh, Malachi Rice. Yep. Mm. One point per game. Let's go. <laughs> but, but their two biggest pieces coming back is Jose Alvarado, who's running the show for them, going to yep. be their starting point guard. And then they bring big man wing kind of forward combo deal. James Bank the third. Those two are they're going to be relied heavy heavily on those two players. Jose Alvarado is a kid who can get to the rim, um, create some havoc. What did he shoot from three last year? Three point percentage? About twenty nine percent. He's like he needs to improve his his shot and taking and obviously make a higher percentage. But he's a guy who gets to the rim pretty easy, sees the floor well, banks as a like I said, can play out in the wing, play mm-hmm. down low, scores. But here's the thing about Georgia Tech. It yeah. came out about a month ago, remember, they're not eligible for any type of postseason. No, and not. I think that includes the ACC tournament. So basically they're just playing for the ACC regular season here. Which is crazy. I mean, they're currently in the appeal process. I think Pastner is done. He's not proven anything. <clears throat> he took over the reins, if you remember, at Memphis after Cal left. Had a few good recruiting classes. And then got fired. Went to Georgia Tech. Hasn't really done much. No. Georgia Tech's hanging on because they bring back, like Tyler said, a lot of experienced guys, including two guys they can rely on, and Alvarado and Banks the third. But... I mean, really, if you're a Georgia Tech fan, what hope do you have this year? If you can't play in any sort of postseason, I mean. Just got to wait till women's softball. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because your football team's trash this year, too. Your football team's garbage, which is kind of weird. Yeah. They're usually pretty decent. Yeah, they're bad. I tell you, a team, though, moving on up to number 11 in the, the standings here. Team with that had some tradition back in the 90s and early 2000s, but since the, the decades turned over in the 2010s, they've really struggled. Tyler, I know you're fond of their head coach, former Kansas legend Danny Manning. Mr. Danny. Um, we talked about it off air. Obviously, we're referring to the Wake Forest Demon Deacons here. Wake Forest last season went 4 and 14 in conference, <laughs> finished 11 and 20 overall record. You know, they're bringing in Brandon Childers. He's uh, or he's returning, should I say? Average Letterman scoring fourteen point seven last year. You know, they actually bring back one, two, three, four starters, yeah. and including Olivier Saar, seven foot junior, uh, six point two points, five point five rebounds, a good shot blocker, man in the middle down low. But if you bring back four starters that went four and fourteen, 
I guess it's good for building blocks, but yeah, it's it's going to be another struggle for Wake Forest. This is a do or die year too for Danny Manning. I'll let you get into him here in a second, but he he spent five years at Wake Forest now, sixty five and ninety three overall. They Wake Forest needs a big year. They need a big year. They need. Maybe the hopefully for them the four starters they do bring back, including the Brandon Childers we've mentioned, um, can put it all together from a defensive standpoint. Because you know, Danny, you have to play hard. You have to rebound because he's a he's a big man goober. Are you a big man whisper? If you want to oh, say, yeah. talk about all the big men he had developed at Kansas. I could go on for the rest of the podcast on that because that was that was his niche. It was player development. He brought players in that were. That needed to be polished, and, and he got them shined up like a uh, nice new dime. And every time that we needed somebody need a little help, by the time they were sophomore, late sophomore, early junior, they were phenomenal players, t- players that you didn't think was going to be that way. And I thought, as a head coach, he was going to be able to do that anywhere he went. To Tulane, he did okay. When he got a he got a big prime time job. Wake Forest has some history, like Josh mentioned before. These, these people have been around the block. Had the likes of Tim Duncan and Chris mm-hmm. Paul back in the day. Mm-hmm. But Danny Manning just hasn't been able to to get the ship out of rough waters, so to speak, in the last couple of years. Yeah, you even look last year statistical-wise. They were in the either 14th or 15th, which is dead last or the one before dead last in the conference. Anyway, about every category. But they were fifth in offensive rebounding percentage. That's what we talked about under Danny Manning. You have to rebound. You have to play hard. Bringing back four starters could be interesting. Uh, with the experience, you have a big-time shot blocker down low, big seven-foot kid, uh, the Sar boy. So we'll see if Wake Forest can make some headway. If they're going to make the tournament and finish towards the top half of the conference, you're going to have to knock off a Duke, Carolina, Louisville. You're going to have to at least get one signature, maybe even two signature wins. Yeah, big yeah. resume builders. And, and take care of the teams you're supposed to at home. So you need to beat the Virginia Techs, Boston College, Pittsburghs, Georgia Techs. Clemson or whoever at home and get you a signature win or two against, like I said, Duke, Carolina, Louisville, Virginia, Florida State, whoever. Um, and then that's the recipe how you get yourself that much closer to making the tournament. Yeah. Help my boy out down there, boys. Get Danny <laughs> back in the, in the dance. So moving on up, we talked about with other conferences. This is where starting at Team number 10, where now we move up to another <clears throat> tier. I think 11 through 15 are like that bottom tier. Yes. You look at 6 through 10 is the middle tier, and then you go 5 through 1. Even really, 5 is another tier, and then the top 4, a, a tier above that. So we look into the, to the middle tier here. When we go through team 6 through 10, they can all rearrange. But in our preseason standings, we have the Syracuse Orange, or as they used to be called, the Orangemen. Orangemen. The Syracuse Orangemen coming in number 10. Peyton, take it away on Syracuse. They lost two big-time prospects. Um, Tyus Battle, 6'6 guard, averaged 17.2 points per game. And O'Shea Brissett, who's a 6'8 forward, averaged 12 and, uh, nearly 12.5 points per game with 7.5 rebounds per game. They only bring back one lone starter, which I just – oh, Elijah Hughes, um, who's a shooter. 13.7 points per game, 4.3 rebounds per game. Uh, Bodie Boheim is coming back for his sophomore year, who can shoot. He shot... And that's that's Coach Boeheim's son, too. He's a big-time shooter. Yeah, he shot 35.3% from three, which is pretty damn good. Yeah. Uh, 6.8 rebound, or points per game. Syracuse used to be... It wasn't that long ago that Syracuse was a top team 
the yeah. top powerhouse team. It's probably like t- uh, ten years, uh, eight years ago. They was pretty damn good. Right before they moved to ACC, that move to the ACC, man, they've went from the top of the Big East and like right contention for number one seeds in America to now they're struggling in the ACC. They're just not bringing in the players that they used to, or if they do, they're not producing the results that they used to. You'd assume going into a conference like the ACC would help that out. Yeah, yeah, you I, exactly. You would think. Um, and it's not like they in the Big East they didn't play competition. That Big East was brutal back was, in the day. It was oh my god, it was tough. Something I want to key in on though, bringing in freshmen. We looked at his highlights and stuff. I think he was a four star guard. Yeah. Joe Gerard the third from Glen Falls, New York, right around upstate New York. There broke Lance Stevenson's all time New York State high school scoring record last season. He's a kid that we were watching highlight films on him. He actually at Glen Falls High School last year, he won a football state championship and a basketball state championship. If that tells you any type of what type of athlete he is, he's six one. He's built for physicality, obviously yeah. playing football. A guy who can go to the rim, he can finish through contact, take some beatings off some screens. He's a big time shooter. We were watching highlights. He's got deep range, can pull over at people. His athleticism, though, he's not a guy who plays above the rim, but he's deceptively athletic, if that makes sense. Yeah. He's not fast, but he's not slow. He's got good handles, yes. but not great handles. But he's a big-time elite shooter. Uh-huh. He has range. He can shoot from anywhere on the floor as long as it's past half court. And um, he's a big-time player for Syracuse. And you look like Fletcher McGee last year who booked the three-point record. He wasn't the most athletic. He no, he could get a shot off quick. He could get a shot off quick. He wasn't the most athletic, but he broke the damn three-point record. Yep, did I. So I, I think Joe Girard III is going to find a, um, find his way as a freshman playing for the Orange this year. And the thing about it, we talked about it off-air, guys, is that in the 2-3 zone, you don't have to be the best defender. No. you got to be a good positional defender and be able to be smart and read where the next pass and anticipate is and come down and rebound, play physical, which is his strong suit. So I think really in the 2-3, he can develop and actually thrive. And you play a team that's going to zone you as well. Boy, he'll find an open gap and knock it down. Yeah. Um, I think Joe Gerard third, somebody could help. You mentioned Elijah Hughes. But we'll see. Syracuse is a team that's going to be right there on the bubble. Um, you look at their schedule, too. They open up conference play at home against Virginia. That's yeah. a tall task right away. But you do get it at home. Do get it at home. That's a So plus. I think you only play – We looked, they only play Duke once. Yeah. I think they play Carolina twice. Yes, they I do. think they only play Louisville <clears throat> once. They play Louisville once. So the schedule kind of favors them. We'll see. We have them tenth. Tyler, number nine. Miami Hurricanes. Miami last year, if I can read. Sorry, you can hear the pages. You can turn the page. <laughs> last year, they went fourteen and eighteen. Yeah, it's crappy. Five and thirteen. They lost. They lost a lot of scoring. They lost 35, 36 points a game between three players that they lost. Zach Johnson, Anthony Lawrence, and Ibuka Izudu yeah, or whatever. Izudu. I'm getting there, boys. Yeah, they, they, they showed uh, they were in the middle of the pack on everything as far as stat lines. They were seventh in scoring offense. Field goal percentage, they were nine. Three-point percentage, they were three. These guys have always been a tough, a tough team to play, but they just haven't really put it together for the entire season. But they have the player coming back that we mentioned earlier, 
uh, and Josh's uh, point earlier was Chris Likes, yep. a little small point guard, going to come in and try and lead the way for Miami, try and get everything back on track. Yeah, and Jim Laranega's team's uh, not afraid to mix in zone, not afraid to play man-to-man, get up and after you. They got a test right away, first game of the year. They're at home. They host the Louisville Cardinals, yeah. <clears throat> ACC class right away, so you'll find out what they're made of early and often. But they do bring in Florida grad transfer Keith Stone. Um, he's not going to be a super superstar for him, but bringing that experience over from Florida, um, he's a, he's going to be a guy that's going to contribute and be a big time role player for him. Uh, they do bring in Oklahoma transfer as well, a six five junior Cameron McGusty. Yep, he's a he's going to provide shooting from the wing for him. You know they do have some shooters around. So it's going to be an interesting year for Miami to see if they can get back to the top half of the conference and get back to the NCAA tournament. Um, Peyton right here, the Hurricanes' rebound margin was 15th, which was dead last in the conference last mm. year, which they obviously results in a lack of front court depth. They were yeah. negative three as far as when it comes to the rebounding average or margin. So they were getting out-rebounded. Peyton, anything <clears throat> else you want to add on Miami for yeah. the season? I don't know if he's a four-star or three-star, but Anthony Walker, who's a freshman, 6'9", coming in, he's going to be able to stretch him out and hit some shots for Miami, so that'll help. And plus, you got Chris Likes, who's a beast um, himself, 5'9", guard, or 5'7", actually. Yeah, he's 5'7", 16.2 points per game. So you got pieces to do some damage in the ACC. And I think we're talking about their um, rebounding margin, how they're dead last. I think they keyed in to fix that this year. You talk about Keystone coming over from Florida, 6'8", senior. You talk about Anthony Walker, the 6'9 freshman, but you look down low, Tyler, Rodney Miller Jr., the 7-foot junior, going to help crash the backboard. You look at Sam uh, Wardenberg, 6'10 junior. Not only is he a good shooter, but he can help crash on the glass. They do get back Dink Gack, who missed all but eight games last season, going to help on the backboard. So they are trying to put put pieces together to fix that rebounding margin, which, like you know, you don't always have to shoot well, but if you get off at the rebounds and give yourself second, third opportunities, eventually you're going to start putting extra points on the board. Yeah, and we've seen it. We talked about it all year last year as far if you win the glass, you got a, a higher percentage to win the game. And like you said, that, that Rodney Miller Jr., he didn't even play a game last year. So you got your two biggest guys com- combination playing eight games of the entire season. So that's that's a huge factor <clears throat> as why they were so low on the rebounding side. Yeah, and you give a coach like Jim Laranega, who's proved himself at George Mason back in the day, Obviously, his stint at Miami, I think they've won at least one conference championship since he's been there, maybe two. I think so. I mean, putting together an impressive resume in his eight years at Miami. Actually, at Miami in eight years, 175 and 97. Yeah. So, he knows how to get it done. Um, Last five years, this is the only – that last year was the only losing season in the conference that he had in the last five seasons. Yeah, so he knows how to get it done. Their highest in the last five was 2016. They went 13 and 5. Sweet mm-hmm. 16. Made yep. it to the Sweet 16. So Miami looking to bounce back this year. We do think that they will. I think that they could be a tournament team. Even I, we have them ninth preseason. I think that they're a tournament team. I think they're – yeah, I think they could be. They're right there on the bubble at least. Last four in. Yep. Moving on up to number eight, we go to the reigning defending college football <laughs> champions, <laughs> but the Clemson Tigers. They're a program under Brad Brunel in his last nine seasons who's went from <clears throat> bottom feeder of the conference – to a team consistently right there that's competitive. Sometimes winning big games, sometimes not, making the tournament here. But they're always competitive. This year I see no difference as to why they shouldn't be again. 
to me, you look at the roster. They do bring back uh, – they bring only back one starter, but they bring back some contributing guys, a decent freshman class. But the big piece for me that they've got coming in is transfer um, – is it grad transfer? I think grad transfer from Alabama, Tevin Mack. If you guys remember Tevin Mack, played incredible in upsets over Kentucky last year, played incredible in games against like Auburn, LSU, Florida, the top half of the SEC – but his problem against the teams that they should beat, Vanderbilt and company, he would disappear for long stretches. He's a guy that can microwave it. He sees one go through, he's liable to hit five, six in a row, and that's from three, two, attack the rim, play above the rim. So he's bringing that type of scoring. Um, he's physical, good body on him. To Clemson to play in the ACC here. I think of anybody coming back, coming in as a freshman class, Getting Tevin Mack was big time for Clemson this year. Yeah, maybe a new new scene for this guy really help him get more consistent on the offensive end. And Tevin Mack, he was a former five-star prospect before he went to Alabama. And you mentioned how he tore Kentucky up in that game last year. He's a great scorer, and that was a huge gift for Clemson. Yeah, big, big time. Size too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what does he stand six, at? 6'6", 225. Yeah, oh, yeah. He, that's right. He's a physical guy. Gets a shot over it, like, really quick. Get it yeah. over defenders. Got some good range to him. Even moving the three-point line back about a foot. Um, yeah, roughly. So, Clemson 8, I do think they are tournament-bound. Oh, I think from here on out, we do get eight teams at least in the ACC. Um, Clemson, I do think, is tournament-bound. Moving on up, this right here is the most interesting bounce-back team in the ACC this year, Tyler. The number seven team in our ACC countdown. Yep, staying here in the in the home state of Indiana for this one, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Last year went 14-19, 3-15 in the conference. Dead last oh in the conference. Gosh. Dead last. But they only lost one player, a key loss as they call it, DJ Harvey, 10 points per game. But they bring back the herd. Everybody's back. Everybody's Clean coming sweep, back. sweep, all five starters, everybody in here that's on this roster now was there last year. Not any newcomers. Not no. a single Not freshman, a grad transfer, nobody. I think that might be like – if it ain't broke, don't fix it. What they're trying to do here, I don't know. But I, I, last year. I literally think we'd have to go through and look, not only in the country, but definitely in the power conferences. Like, this is the only team that's not bringing back or bringing in anybody new. Never heard of it. Me neither. Nobody. They bring back everybody. And you talk about head coach Mike Bray. You know the success he's had at, at Notre Dame over the years. And he's a guy who – Always has his teams ready to play. He talked about it all year last year. They just need to hurry up and get experience. He's like, we need to get older. We need to get older. He doesn't do the one and dones. He thrives on three, four-year players. That He will bring in the occasional four-star kid, but three stars and, like I said, the occasional four stars that stay there for the course of the, the college career – and that's why his teams are always good. <clears throat> Last year they were hurt. Rex Fluger went out early with an injury. Big-time contributor for them. Missed most of the year last year. Really hurt them. Again, they were younger um, than what head coach Mike Bray likes. But now you get a healthy, or knock on wood, hopefully healthy Rex Fluger coming back. You bring back John Mooney, who was by far and away the MVP for Notre Dame last year. Uh-huh. Helped carry the load, try to steady the waters. You look at what Notre Dame's done under Mike Bray. They've played two styles of basketball in the last 10 years that's worked effective. For the first couple of years there, when they were a little bit more uh, undersized, under-athletic, whatever you want to say, he ran that burn offense where he had run 32 seconds of the clock and then try to get you a shot and play low-scoring games. 
And then when they'd make the lead eights and they were winning the ACC tournaments and all that, yep. they shot a lot of threes, a lot of inverted offense where your bigs were out high, your guards were posting up, uh, a lot of small and big screens to get the mismatches. And I think that's what he goes with this season. I think he's gotten, obviously, one of the most experienced teams in college basketball coming back, everybody coming back. <clears throat> I look for Notre Dame to bounce back in a big way this year. The whole roster consists of seniors and sophomores. That's what so say. Five seniors and four sophomores I just counted. No freshmen, no juniors whatsoever. They're definitely a sleeper team. Tyler, how hard is that, too, when you run an inverted offense like that, where you're typical where a guard gets a screen from a big man, on whether on ball or like a down screen to get them open. But when you're running – um, a big doing a pick and pop for a guard coming off of a back screen and the big's out there for a three or maybe the guard screens down for the big who can shoot the three popping out and the, you have a big physical guard posting up, that changes a lot the way you have to defend people. Yeah, it, it changes it up your game plan. I mean, of course, for Syracuse, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. But for the rest of the, the rest of the conference, this, this could really shake up their, their defensive matchups. You know, if, you, if they try this, this switch defense like a lot of people do, you could be in trouble with Notre Dame. Well, see, that's the thing. I'm glad you said to switch because if you switch, now you potentially have a small out on the wing guard and a big and vice versa in the post. A big sealing off a guard. Yes. Yeah. Or or you have – if you don't switch and you fight through, now you've got to – you're extending your big man out wide so now you can't protect the rim. And you got a guard who's not used to playing post defense – have to go one on one and um, in line of maybe picking up a foul or getting abused in the post. Or it's a tough, it's a tough system to defend against. Well, I know that North Carolina switches a bunch. This this could be a, a type of a game where it can be low in the dirt here, but dropping down big guys on Cole Anthony trying to abuse that young man yeah. coming in because he's true. not the most like strong physical specimen. No. Nah. <clears throat> it could be it could be matchup nightmares. Notre Dame could really really exploit some teams with this if they like to switch. And you know the thing too about a team that not only does this but shoots a three at a high clip like we expect Notre Dame to get back to shooting them. Now you have to. We seen it with Auburn last year, right? Now you have to come out even with especially with this three point line pushed out. Mm-hmm. They have to come out and you're worried about defending the three, worrying about these these switching these screens and you get slipped on the the lanes wide open. You get somebody slips rim a rim runs. Now it's a matchup nightmare. Oh, yeah. So now we start to move on up. Number six, this team is, I think, undervalued in a lot of ways. Like we talked about Notre Dame. Peyton, number six in our ACC countdown. The North Carolina State Wolfpack. North Carolina State last year finished 24-12 and 12 overall record, 99 in the ACC. Um, guys they lose out on who left uh, to win, going. Torin Dorn. Torin baby. That's weird. That's oh awesome. My God, that's weird. It's a hell Torin of a better Dorn. name I got. Yeah. <laughs> 6'5 guard, 210 pounds, average 14 points per game, with 7.2 rebounds per game, which is pretty good for a guard. Um, they lose Wyatt Walker and Eric Lockett. Not too much. Average 4 points per game for both of them. Uh, they bring back Markel Johnson, though, who's a senior. 12.6 points per game with 4.2 assists per game. 6'1 guard. He was on your first team all night. Yeah, oh yeah, sure. He's an first NBA. Part. He is an NBA ready type kind of guy. Probably the most NBA ready. Yeah. Uh, well, one of. I mean, one of Cole well, Anthony's right there. But you, you, 
Markel Johnson in the draft next year could be first round, maybe slip lottery type good. Yeah, he could be a little sleeper pick for somebody. But you look at Tyler, you look at Carolina State's roster all the way through. You bring back starter, uh, senior, 6'5 senior guard, CJ Bryce, 11, almost 12 points a game, good shooter, can finish inside, outside. Braxton Beverly going to help run the point guard spot. Uh, junior, six foot junior, he can play all over the perimeter, shoot really well from the outside. Uh, we mentioned Markel Johnson, so you're one, two, three, set. You bring back some other experienced guys. You bring in Danny Dixon, who's a 6'10 forward senior transfer from UMKC. Good offensive player, averaged about seven and a half for them last year. You know, Lehigh transfer, grad senior, uh, Pat Andre can light it up from the outside. They're going to have shooters all around. Yeah. Well, this is a team that's going to have to come out and defend them extremely high out. And you got guys who can take you off the bounce. You've already got five players on the roster that's already averaged more than double digits, or they're right at the cusp. So when they're coming in here, we got a guy 9.4, 11.6, 9.3, 8.8, 12.6. You got guys that can improve on these numbers just a little bit, along with these transfers, like you said, Pat Andre. That's going to be a good score for these guys coming in. Everybody that's on here now, as long as they improve just a little bit. They're gonna be they're gonna be a really a, a really big force to be reckoned with here in the ACC. Yeah, and here's something interesting, a little stat. Yeah, North Carolina State grabbed 34.9 percent of its own missed shots in ACC games. Jeez. It's to lead the league in, in conference play. Is that stat? That's that's pretty wild. Yeah, uh, North Carolina State's a sleeper team. We definitely have them in the tournament. Keep your eye on the Wolfpack this year. They was in that game last year who scored, what was it? It was the lowest. 47-24 or something like that? Virginia Tech beat them 47-24. They, the lowest points in, like, modern college basketball. I just forgot. I totally forgot about that until now. Yeah, I don't expect that to happen this year. We well, but I hope not. We change our predictions. They're going to go 15th. <laughs> I hope that don't Yeah, you're right. That's a good little pickup. I forgot about that. I but forgot yeah, about it, too. 24 points. That was... How do you game. not score more than 24 points I don't know. in Virginia, college basketball? Virginia Tech scoring 47 points. That's not good either. I mean, it was still a 23-point 23 point, 23 point win. I know. There's, I mean, a there's win, win, I guess. players scoring more than 24 points every night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, look at our boy from uh, Seton Hall, Miles Powell, go get 24 and a half. Yeah. Mike Dom. Mike Dom. Yeah. Chris Rabbit. Clemens. Chris Clemens. All of them big-time scores. Moving on up, though, to the top half of this conference. This is where things get really – this is like the top of the top conference right here. Number five, Florida State, year in and year out. As long as Leonard Hamilton's there coaching Florida State, they're going to be a top team in the ACC. They are going to be one of the biggest teams as far as pure size go in college basketball next year. You look at this lineup as far as just Holy pure height. shit. Yeah. 6'4 six, six, guard, 6'8 six, forward. 6'6 six, six guard, 6'4 six, guard, 6'8 forward, 7'1 center, 6'9 forward, 6'5 guard, 7 foot center, 6'5, 6'6, 6'8, 7'3, 7, or 6'5. Not only that, a couple newcomers coming in. You go 6'4, 6'5, 6'5, 7'1, 7'4, 7'2, 7'9, or 6'9 and 6'8. That's just what Leonard Hamilton does. He brings in these big, like, wide bodies who are athletic, who rebound, protect the rim. You dump, they eventually develop a post game where you can drop it down to them. This is why Florida State, they kill you on the glass. They kill you defensively on the on the back line. If you get by their their front initial pressure, 
don't think you're getting to the rim and finishing that much unless you are Zion because you're getting – if you don't get blocked, you're getting contested. And they've got some tall, tall trees this year. Mm-hmm. They got three seven-footers. When does that ever happen? Three seven-footers on one team. Not college basketball. It's Not, weird. It's, it's hard to do it in the league. Yeah. Like, you get past – you get one uh, seven-footer in foul trouble. Oh, just – it's okay. I'll bring in another one. And you get him in foul trouble. Oh, I got another one waiting yeah, for you. Shuttling them in there. Jesus, man. Yeah. Um, and then you, they're going to be led by Trent Forrest. I think Trent Forrest was a former four- or five-star kid. He's a senior this year. Average of almost 10 a game last year. Can run the show. Florida State member. They end up going to – where did they get knocked out in the tournament last season? Um, was it Sweet 16? Where did they end up getting knocked? I can't remember. Sweet 16 against Gonzaga. Oh, yeah, that's right, Gonzaga. And I actually had them predicted to beat Gonzaga because I thought their size and athleticism – they obviously was Fiondu Cobb big time. He's in the NBA now with the L.A. Clippers. But we mentioned um, they're more going to make up for it as far as shot blocking, rebounding goes. Uh, Terrence Mann was a big time scorer for him. So we'll see, man. We'll see. You remember last year, a little funny little thing here on the podcast. You didn't know Cobb uh, and name. You just called him Fiondu K. Did I say that? You said Fiondo K. Yeah, you did say that. You pulled a me. Oh. Yeah. Well, Fiondo Cobb and Jayla, how about yeah, that? Yeah, now we know it. Florida State, though, under um, under Leonard Hamilton, though, they're always just going to be good and big yeah. like that. They, they're going to be tested, too. <clears throat> they are going to – we look at their schedule. Oh, my God, yes, we We did. look at their schedule. They have the toughest ACC conference schedule that we found. Yeah. Because they got to play Duke – at Duke, the only game they play, they play Carolina, I think, twice. Yep. They play on the road to Virginia, I think, once. Yes. It's tough. It's a tough play schedule. Louisville twice. They play Louisville twice. And then you look at their non-conference, they play Florida. They play at Tennessee. They play Indiana. Man. And that's a tough one. That's tough. They're going to be built, though, by the time the tournament rolls around. They're going to be experienced. They're going to be battle-tested. We have Florida State fifth. Now we start to get into interesting stuff. Tyler coming in at number four, the elite of the elite in the conference this year. The reigning defending champions of the NCAA last year is the Virginia Cavaliers. Virginia, they're up here again, but, you know, they had the reason why they're not number one in my eyes because of the losses they had. You know, Kyle Guy, DeAndre Hunter, Ty Jerome. Those, that was a three-headed monster that is going to – you just can't replace it. Yeah. That the, the points – not just the points, but the leadership, the chemistry, everything these guys had last year was everything I love to see in a team. I mean, the intangible players they had on the side, but these three guys right here is what got it done all night, year in and year out. These were the guys that did it. So that was the factor of why I didn't have them up as high and as well as Josh and them. Last year, everything – Stats-wise, they were number one, number two, and almost everything except for scoring offense yeah. because they just weren't that fast of an offensive team. Nope. But they were eighth. They weren't They weren't terrible like everybody was saying. Yeah, about middle year. of the pack. Yeah. Everybody said they were so slow and boring, but they were eighth. Uh, who they have? Offensive rebounding, they were seventh, which is still tough. Still a tough stat here. Virginia last year only lost only lost one game by ten or more points last season in the last two seasons in a span of 72 games. Their, that loss was 20 points when they were the number one seed getting bounced by UMBC in the NCAA tournament. Yep. Mm-hmm. What, which a, what a bounce back. What, just incredible. You, we talked about after it happened, it'll never happen again from worst to first. No. Um, 
where you, you know, make the history and all that and then come back and win the title. But we already know. You know the deal when you play at Virginia. You know it's going to be suffocating defense. They're going to squeeze the life out of you. Limited possessions. Hit a bunch of threes. Hit in the, the I mentioned it last year in one episode. The debilitating thing about it. Oh my you God, grind God. and grind and grind against this pack line defense. And then on offense, they run 33 seconds of a 35-second shot clock or 28 seconds of a 30-second shot clock. And right when you think, oh, finally, they'll hit a three on you. Demoralizing, uh, terrible. Now, they do lose out on their three-point shooters. Kyle Guy, big – I mean, the balls he had last year in the NCAA tournament, hitting shot after shot. Oh, he had to tuck them in his socks. Yeah. yeah. Ty Jerome and all that. But they do bring back – mentioned Kie Clark. Yep. mentioned Mamadou Diakite. Yeah, big-time shot blocker, athletic guy around the rim. And a lot of just kind of role players. Braxton Key's back, you know, big-time wing, rebounder, defend kind of guy, score off the dribble a little bit. I think that they'll struggle early. Yeah. I think that they're going to struggle early, but because of their defense, it's going to keep them in every single game they play in. And then by the as the season rolls on, Virginia's going to get better and better and better. By the time the tournament rolls around, they might not be – um, they might not be uh, a one or two seed, but you don't want to see them as a three seed in your bracket come tournament time. No. Hell no. So, Virginia's just going to do Virginia things, but I think obviously losing those three Virginia legends is what you want to call them. The for sure legends. You know, Guy, Cla- uh, Guy um, Hunter, Hunter, and Hunter, Hunter and Jerome, thank you, that they're obviously going to take a step back but it won't be too much. That's why we have them fourth. But if they end up finishing second or even somehow find a way to win the conference, then it's not going to surprise – nothing with Virginia under Tony Bennett surprises me anymore. He just wins. Yep. He just has a winning system that always wins. And I don't care if they lost those two big-time uh, guys to the draft. I'm still terrified to play them. I don't care who they got. Because of that defense. You it's know they're going to – That is right. You know they're going to smother. And Diakite is one of the premier shot blockers in college basketball. And they got two seven-footers as well, so they got some size on them as Yeah, well. Jay Huff, you bring in Jay, or bring back Jay Huff, a seven-foot-one center. Virginia's just going to do Virginia things, right? They're going to do they, Virginia things. They have proven that you do not need to score the basketball at a high rate to win games. You yeah. just got to stop the other team from doing it. Yep, <laughs> yep. Um, if teams score more than 80 points on them, then – I'll be surprised. Even a team like North Carolina, if you can get 80 points on them, color me surprised. Yes. So, speaking of North Carolina, moving <laughs> on up. Hey. The number three team in our countdown for the conference <clears throat> this year, go to Chapel Hill. Obviously, we talked about led by Cole Anthony, a team that went to the Sweet 16, Auburn bounced them in convincing fashion last what year. A team that was full of potential that – Swept Duke in the regular season, got beat by Duke in the in the conference tournament semifinals. Yep. But North Carolina last year, they lose. They lose. Um, oh, help me think. Starting Cam court. Johnson. They, they, well, they lose Cam Johnson, who's now with the Phoenix Suns. Kobe White. Kobe White now Nasir with the Chicago Little. Bulls. Nasir Little. Oh, Where he got drafted somewhere? Now. Uh, Portland. Portland Trailblazers. Luke May. They lose back one, Luke May and Kenny Williams. Kenny Williams. Two experienced guys, national champions. Kenny Williams, their best defender from last yeah. season. Yeah. Probably got screwed out of defensive player of the he year. He got snubbed. I mean, he could defend one through four last year. So you lose five big-time pieces. 
But the reason we – it's still North Carolina. You bring in – we talked about Cole Anthony, Armando Bacot, a five-star forward center type rotation. You bring back Leaky Black who will play um, right alongside Cole. Cole or maybe spelling minutes. You bring back uh, – you bring – Garrison Brooks comes back. Brandon Robinson comes back. Anthony Harris and who is I think it was Anthony Harris and the Jeremiah Francis. Yeah, both of them's currently out right now. Yep, they are dealing with knee injuries. Yeah, you get them back healthy and get them up to speed. Carolina is going to be a little deeper than what people think, and it's still Tyler Roy Williams just knows how to win. We mentioned that stat um, last season. He is one of four current head coaches who's never had a losing record. Think about all the years Roy Williams has coached. He started with Kansas. With North Carolina, never had a losing season. Well, he's coached two of the most storied programs of all time. That kind of helps. Yeah. <laughs> you, right. you, got, you got the shock and awe factor of the name. But other than that, Roy's the reason why it's getting done. He knows the right players to get in for the system he likes to run. He, he, just, he just knows what he needs to do to get it done. And his record proves it year in and year out. 2015, 11-7. and 7. 2016, national championship runner-up, 14-4. and 4. 2017, they made it back and won the damn thing, 14-4 and four again. They got bounced in the round of 32 in 2018 and in the Sweet 16 last year. It just He, he knows how to get to the dance. He knows how to do it. He's, he's just like Izzo as far as getting in the dance and, and trying to get, get wins. Roy, Roy is the guy that you want <laughs> to coach your team when it comes to the crunch time. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at it too. Um, cool little stat here. Carolina loses 88.1% of players who made a three-point sh- three shot for them last season. Yeah. So, obviously, one of their big concerns is can they hit the three this year and can hit it at a consistent rate? And can they stay out of foul trouble? Because even though they have their, their front seven are really good, you start getting down that bench, how deep are they? In all fairness, Roy only likes to play like eight players anyways and a lot of times. I mean, he will play nine, ten if he has to. But he likes to keep a, a tight rotation, play the guy's heavy minutes. But you do have a superstar in Cole Anthony. He's going to open the floor up. He's going to score. He's going to distribute. He's got to work on his defense. His defense is not the best right now. Nah. He's one of those players that um, obviously didn't have to play a whole lot of defense in high school. But by the end of the day, North Carolina is going to be doing North Carolina things. We have them third in the conference. They're still going to do North Carolina things. They led the nation in rebounding uh, last year. Um, they're still going to probably be top five all year round this year in rebounding. They're still going to rebound, hit some shots. Um, they're still going to be a good team. Their adjusted offense efficiency, their points per game, they're going to be not only towards top of the conference, top of the nation because of the pace they play. Yep. They're looking to put 100 up on you every night. Uh-huh. Um, I think if three-point shooting, um, quality of depth and defensively Defensive, is going to yes. be their three keys, whether they win the conference and – make a deep, deep run for the national title. Yep. So the final two teams in this countdown, Tyler, who we got number two? The Duke Blue Devils. Yep. You cannot have an ACC preview without Duke being in the top three as of late. These guys, year in and year out, are nuts. Last year had the most prolific recruiting class of all time that I can think of. R.J. Barrett, Marquise Bolden, he's gone now. Cam Reddish, Zion Williamson. Just, just what they lost in point production off the floor from last year's team is crazy. It was but, the first time a team had ever got all, number one, two, and three recruits in a single class, ever. Insane. Yep. Insane. And it still shows how crazy uh, 
the tournament comes when they still got bounced in the Elite Eight. But Coach K doing it again, brought in. Who's he bringing in here? Oh, he, he brings, brings in Vernon Carey Jr., Cassius Stanley, the five-star. You bring in um, Matthew Hurt. Matthew Hurt, five-star kid out of Minnesota we've talked about. Big-time shooter, can stretch the floor. We talked about this off-air, Peyton, before Tyler got over here. Last year, Duke played a system. Coach K ran a system based around his players he had. So he played more of a – not so much an offense. He just played, like, two-man game, tried to get Cam Reddish open. A lot of focus was on RJ and Zion Williamson. This year's team's more in line. It won't be as superstar-related talent-wise, but it'll be a traditional Coach K style of play where he's going to spread you out, bigs who can pick and pop, and they'll shoot the three probably more efficiently this year. And I think they'll be a little bit more dangerous in a lot of aspects because of that. Spreading the floor. Uh, Trey Jones is going to run the point for him. You have big-time shooters and Alex O'Connell coming back. Matthew Hurt coming in as a big-time shooter. Um, big-time post guys as far as defender. Javon Deloria, an athletic guy who plays above the rim, defends. Wendell Moore coming in as a, a long forward who can make an impact on both sides of the floor. Jack White is a guy who can hit the open three, but he's that guy that's the annoying guy who gets two offensive rebounds in the most key spots. That's the only thing he does all game, but that's what he does. He's a hustle guy. This this Duke roster is the perfect mold, I think, for Coach K. A couple superstars, team that should be able to shoot the three extremely well this year. Um, <clears throat> spread you out, like I said, pick and pop system. This Duke team could be dangerous from the get-go. Yeah, and they don't have – so, I mean, they got stars, but it's nothing like they did last year. So maybe the uh, the ego won't be there as much, and it could it could be a, a more dangerous Duke team if I dare to say it than last year. This it's, it's what happens sometimes when you get all these NBA ready players and they have to do the one year, and they all decide mm-hmm. to come to the same damn school. But but Duke and, and Coach K always finds a way to get something done. I mean, they didn't do anything wrong last year. R.J. and Zion both last year averaged twenty two and a half points. Oh, they a were phenomenal. Wow. Like, but when, when the ball has to be in certain players' hands at certain times, it kind of kind of stifles you up a little bit. So with, with the roster he's got now, it could be anybody at any time. I'm glad you said that because I was getting ready to say the same thing. We must have been thinking the same, uh, same thing, honestly, because as good as Zion and RJ were, the ball was in their hands 85% of the time. Hungry. So it left guys like Trey Jones and Cam Reddish – they got comfortable just setting their weight on the <clears throat> ball to maybe maybe come to them. Now this year it's going to be more of the offensive-laden system that Coach K loves to run. I'm so happy you just mentioned that because that was going to be my next point. Trey Jones has to step up this year, yeah. especially on the offensive side of the ball. We've already mentioned how great he is on-ball defensive. Um, he's great on the defensive side of the ball, but offense he has to step up and do more things. He's going to have to score. He's going to have to hit the three ball way more consistently than he did last year. Um, last year, it was too many times with the spotlight being on Zion and RJ. When Zion got inj- injured, RJ stepped up, but no, it was just him. Yep. Cam Reddish didn't step up. Trey Jones definitely didn't step up. He had a couple good games where he went off. Uh, he went off against Virginia Tech in the Sweet 16, and they won. But there's too many times that he had – he could have had a spotlight on him. He could have done more things and did not do it. He did not perform well. He has to step up this year. If Duke wants to be successful. Yeah, and I think we've all three alluded to it as well. Duke could – they won't have the two major superstars, but they're going to have enough players. And, and Vernon Carey's a superstar. Um, 
Wendell Moore is a potential superstar. They're going to have draft picks on this team, NBA-type players, uh, players that can fit every role. We talked about Alex O'Connell a knockdown three-point shooter. Jack White's a, that annoying guy who just gets off of the rebounds at the right time. Javon Delorier is a defensive specialist that plays above the rim and blocks shots. This Duke team's going to be really good. Everybody they throw on the floor. You got Cassius Stanley, who's we a didn't tremendous even, athlete. We didn't even mention Jordan Goldwire. Oh, yeah, you mentioned Jordan Goldwire. He's a, he was another backup defensive specialist with Trey Jones. Trey you Jones. Those two keyed the run when they made the upset over Louisville last year. Yep. They're down 23 with like eight to go. Come back and that big win. <clears throat> it's because they went to that press, that 2-2-1, and Goldwire and Jones was leading it. were reading everything and hounding. Duke's just going to be they're going to be Duke. Yeah. They're going to be Duke. You're going to have to earn it. We'll see how good they are from the get-go, though, when they Champions Classic against Kansas. That'll be a fun one. Come get you some. That'll be a fun one. So that leaves one team atop the mountain. This will be their first ACC crown since joining the conference. This will be their first conference championship since winning back-to-back Big East titles, what, 2012-2013? Yep. This team right here is a team that not only can win the conference, but can go win a national championship. And that team is the Louisville Cardinals. Yep. Um, we got uh, some fool over here dancing. Hey, let's, let's, let's paint you a picture here. We got a kid with a Louisville hat, a Louisville blanket. I yeah. think he's got a Louisville G-string on. <laughs> Louisville, Louisville sweatpants. He's just over here throwing up these gang signs for Louisville Ain't stuff. No gang signs. Well, they're they're stripper signs then. But Louisville. But these guys right here. They're going to be on top of it. They're going to do it. I, I think this was a clean sweep as far as Louisville being the number one team. These other outlets don't think so. But hide and watch. Yeah. Little ECB has got this pegged pretty well. Yeah, I mean, obviously Peyton, this is a team. We'll let him get into it here in a minute. But as far as Louisville goes, a team that under Chris Mack's first year had some highs, you know, blowing out <laughs> North Carolina and stuff like that, had some lows with the disappointing loss to Duke when he had him down 23. But they do bring back a lot of experience. One of the best freshman classes that they've had in school history. Pop, yes. Just school history, period. Yes. A lot of four-star kids, lots of um, talent coming in. If they can get Malik Williams healthy, because he will be out for a little while, yep. once he gets healthy and up to speed, they will be able to knock shots down from the perimeter. They're going to mm-hmm. be big inside, experienced guards. We talked about Jordan Moore with uh, the superstar on the team. I think consistency is key. I think getting to the free throw line is key for Louisville. They got to get there and put pressure on their opponents, especially a team like Duke, Virginia, North Carolina, um, to really keep their stars off the floor. And I think they've got offensive rebound way better. I think when you look back at the Kentucky game last year, Kentucky is always under John Calipari a great offensive rebounding team, period. Yeah. But they really hammered it home on Louisville. And other teams did as well. Mm -hmm. Louisville's got to develop a toughness to clean up the glass, but they play their own brand of um, pack line defense that's a little bit more aggressive than Virginia, not so compact. I think they're going to be good for everybody they bring on the floor. They're going to have shooters. I think Louisville's the real deal. We'll see. Um, We'll see if they live up to expectations and hype. But I think concerns, we'll say take care of the basketball. Getting better on the offensive glass and getting to the free throw line more 
and hitting a higher percentage of free throws. I don't know what what they shoot last year free throw wise. Seventy seven point uh, seven. They were number one in the conference. Okay, so, so that was seven. good. That, that was good. <laughs> but I still think that bringing in new kids too and bringing back some guys like that, getting the free throw line, take care of the basketball better because we've seen the abysmal end that they had, and even in the tournament game against Minnesota, mm-hmm. and um, off of the rebounds. But all that being said, Louisville's got everything you need to win the conference. Lots of experience coming back. Lots of new faces come in that's going to help. Lamar Fresh Kimball is going to be a big piece. The um, grad transfer from um, St. Joseph's. St. Joe's, big-time score. Man, it is what it is. Fair is fair. Louisville, I like this Louisville team. You mentioned some good – you made some good points about how we need to get to the free throw line. Um, Offensive rebounding percentage needs to go up, stuff like that. But the main thing for me and Coach Maxman harping on this – and to me, it's not debatable. You have to finish games. Yeah. Have to. You can't play a good 33 minutes <coughs> and the rest just playing okay. You have to play a great 40 minutes. If you look at last year, obviously the Duke game stands out the most. We had, like, what, a 21-point um, 23. 23. 23 points lead with, like, eight minutes <clears throat> to go at home. And we gave it up. Duke came back and won. You look at the game against Marquette. We was up late. They came back and won. Indiana, Florida State. If all those, if we finish all those games, you're looking at a completely different season last year for Louisville. Yeah. But we didn't finish. And I know watching all the Louisville basketball stuff on YouTube, Coach Mag and practices is talking about finishing, finishing, and finishing, finishing a drill, practice, a game, a season. You gotta finish. That's the biggest thing for me. Obviously, we're gonna shoot the three ball well. Um, we're gonna defend well. Or you think? You think that? I think that they have enough guys who can shoot, especially when Malik Williams comes back with a big who can pick and pop. Um, Jordan Warrior can shoot it. Lamar Fresh Kimball can shoot it. Um, oh, Ryan McMahon. Ryan Josh McMahon, thank you. Samuel Williamson. We got – okay, let me rephrase. We got potentially guys who can knock it down from three. Speak on Samuel Williamson. I mean, he's going to be the best freshman of the group probably. He's going to be the best freshman of the group. Potentially a one-and-done prospect. It depends on how he does this year. I expect him to start – uh, at least for the beginning half of the season. He's a great player. He can attack the rim, finish. He needs to get better on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, he can shrug. We watched him for a little live, and he lit it up from three. He has a slow release, but he still knocks it down with ease. So he's definitely the best freshman that stands out the most. Um, Darius Perry, he needs to improve uh, his decision-making and knock down some consistent shots from three. Um, Ryan McMahon, he needs to do more besides shoot the three ball. He needs to be – he's not going to be the best defender, obviously. That's not who he is. He needs to defend some. Just yeah. some. Even a little bit. You don't have to be this great defender. If you can just defend some, you'll get playing time. But looking at Louisville, too, we look at their conference schedule, and it works out some, but it doesn't because they only get one crack at Duke, which is in Cameron, which is unlucky. They get one crack at North Carolina, which is at home. It's at home, thank you. And they only get one crack at Virginia, and that's – we get two. Oh, two Virginia. Two. Who's the other one? Is it Florida State you only get one crack at? We get two. Florida State. Um, there was somebody else you only get one crack at. Uh, we opened up a Miami. But you, oh, that's right. The very last game of the conference is Virginia. Virginia at Virginia. At Virginia. We talked about it. If Louisville wins the conference, it's those last four games. you got to win at least three. Because the last four games, North Carolina. Syracuse. Syracuse. Florida State maybe or Clemson Shoot. and then at Virginia. Shoot. It's a brutal last four games. That's you got to win three if you're going to win the conference. That's there. a hell of a punch in the mouth. Yeah, and like I said, it sucks for them. They only played Duke once, and it's at it's at Cameron. It's at Cameron Indoor. 
But if you're going to win the conference, you got to go through it and take care of business. We like Louisville here. Um, Louisville's got a team to win it all. So we're going to take one final pause for the cause. When we come back, episode number 40 will roll on with some news and recruiting. We'll catch you guys on the other side. What's happening, College Hoops fans? It is Conrad Cushman from the Everything Pro Wrestling Podcast, and I'm here to tell you how you can follow Everything Pro Wrestling. First, go to your Facebook, type in the search bar, Everything Pro Wrestling. Look for our official page with over 1,000 likes and make sure you give it a like. Also, we have a closed group with over 200 members in it where you can join discussions and talk about anything and everything pro wrestling. We also have a Twitter handle, and that is at epw show and we have a podcast and the podcast is available on anchor apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify and stitcher and remember everything pro wrestling is a show by the fans for the fans now let's get back to talking some college hoops hello ecb fans you guys already know my name but just in case you don't my name is peyton burton aka j3x and I am the host of the J3X Show. The J3X Show is a wrestling podcast that is on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and all other podcast hosting sites. We do a show every Thursday and Saturday. So please do me a favor and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at J3X Show. Also, go like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash J3X Show and give us a five-star review, baby! Now, let's get back to the wonderful voices of Everything College Basketball Podcast. Boom! We're back, and in the never-ending saga that is going on with the Kansas University Jayhawks basketball program seemingly here this summer, we talked about in last week's episode the controversy that surrounded Late Night in the Fog with the whole Snoop Dogg performance and everything. Snoop, I, first of all, A.D. Jeff Long from Kansas came out and gave like some kind of apology that said, oh, I didn't know what was going on, da, da, da. And it made Snoop mad because he rebuttaled. He said, when you pay for Snoop, you get Snoop in full. So he didn't back down his, uh, his performance at all, even going as far as saying that he was proud of the performance he gave and he had a lot of fun with it. The story just won't die. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's big for a reason. It just won't die. But, I mean, if you're Snoop, yeah, of course, you're not in any trouble or nothing. So, of course, I would – he has a point, right? You yes. pay for Snoop. You get Snoop. It's a lot better than other performers who you pay all this money to and they'll give you half-hearted performance. I don't blame Snoop Dogg in the bid. No, you get what you get. You come in there, you're paid to do something, and that's what you do. I'm with you, Snoop. I think the AD is just trying to cover base and make sure it doesn't look like this was part of the master plan here to shove it to the NCAA, but whatever. If you don't want that type of performance, don't get that type of player. Don't get that type of dude, and that's the type of dude – and I'm glad we got him. I'm still, I stand, I'm still tickled about it. I don't give a shit. If I ever see you, boy, we're going, we're going. I don't blaze, but we're going to blaze. <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, I mean, what do you expect, right? You're going to spend probably millions of dollars, and he's going to make sure you have a performance that's Snoop Dogg worthy. What do you want him to do? Come out and sing uh, Christmas carols? Yeah, we're, no, we're going to get Celine Dion next year to try and cover up. Yeah. Peyton, you got any thoughts on that? Uh, I just love this whole thing. It's yeah. just hilarious. It's the biggest story going on in our sport. Um, 
It's never ending. I love it. I like it. It's so funny. Yeah, I tell you what, something I don't like though. Another news topic that kind of came out is that five-star freshman for the Villanova Wildcats, Brian Antoine, a guy that I'm high on, big-time scorer, all that. He might have to redshirt and sit out this season. He was originally thought to possibly be a one-and-done, too, along with his uh, five-star counterpart, Jeremiah Robinson Earl at Villanova. Antoine had shoulder surgery, and it came out that the recovery's not going as planned. And it could cause him to miss not only more time, but they might have to scrap the year and just redshirting. I'd hate to see that. That's a big, not only just for the kid, but that's a big time player you're going to miss out on. And if he does have to miss the entire year, it does change the way I view Villanova, at least early on. When it comes time next week, we do our top 25. Villanova might be a few slots down now on my end of the deal. Yeah. Um, not good news for Villanova fans, but if he has to redshirt and he's not ready to play, don't force him anything. Oh, God, You've no. seen what happened in the NBA with Cameron Durant. They forced him back, and now he's probably going to be out for most of the season for this upcoming year. So don't rush him. If he has to redshirt, just redshirt, and it could be the best thing for him. But it does suck. Yeah, and it's not good. I mean, that's why I was so worried last year with the whole Zion blowing the shoe out, ankle, foot injury, all that. I was just worried. I was like, man, if he comes back and – God forbid he gets hurt again. But, yeah, if he's done for – if you have to redshirt him, it will change how I view Villanova this season. It will knock him down a peg or two. It will knock him down to the point where I might even have to go back and put Seton Hall as my biggest favorite. Yeah, uh, I think I had to as well. You know, stuff happens. You can't – it's a what-can-you-do-for-me-now type of world. And if this kid has to redshirt, I mean, just so be it. You can't, you can't force this type of thing. So take him off the roster and see what happens because you'll get him for another year. So if, if he has to drop, then their team drops as well in, their, in the rankings for us. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, on that, on that, next week, I'm, I did mention it, next week, it's already time for our first official ECB top 25. Uh, we will congregate together. We will lock ourselves in some kind of room, and we will break it down and have a top 25 to you next week on the podcast, episode 41. Crazy, it's already that time of year. It's you know, we're three weeks from Tuesday from the start of this thing. Three, Championships classic. Three weeks from the start of this thing. All the Midnight Madnesses and all that's are pretty much concluded. Now we're turning to the scrimmage part. Like for Kentucky, it's called the blue-white scrimmage. Louisville just had their red-white. Red, white. Um, Kansas has theirs, whether blue-white or blue-red or whatever they call it. Everybody's Championship starting to – scrimmages. <laughs> everybody's <laughs> starting to turn towards – the scrimmage aspect, and then after that, it's exhibition. Secret, secret practice, secret yep. scrimmages. And then it, after that, the following week, you start turning towards exhibition games. We are literally like right here on the cuspus of of our sport returning, and I couldn't be more excited. Covering, uh, mentioned Big Blue Madness happened on Friday at Kentucky. Had a host full of top-tier five- and four-star recruits that was there in attendance, as always, ranging from the class of 2020 all the way to the class of 2023. I've seen top talent galore. Looking at the Big Blue Madness from Friday night, it was exactly what we expected, right? It was a big party. They had Bruce Buffer there. He did all the introductions like he would UFC style, which which was really fun. Like, he got into it. He did the whole with Cal Perry. He said, the reigning, defending leader, the Big Blue Nation, da-da-da, all that. Um, it It was really cool. 
Um, they did for the first time that they did the dunk contest last year. I didn't remember it, but for the first time this year, they did a three point contest. Yeah. Boy, Emmanuel quickly lit it up. The finals came down between Emmanuel quickly and Tyrese Maxey and quickly. He was 24 of 30 Shoot. in a three point contest. He torched the nets, didn't he? Thing is, first round, Tyrese Maxey went off. There was a time he hit like nine in a row, and like, oh my god! And then um, second round, well, he ended up winning. Who did he face? Was it Juzong or was it um, EJ Montgomery? I think it was EJ Montgomery. Yeah, he faced first round and beat him. And he moved on to the second round. No, he faced Dante Allen. Dante Allen. Dante Allen. Yeah. Um, he moved on to the second round. He basically had to do an extra round, like an overtime. It was a tiebreaker with him and Juzong. Yep. He got screwed because they gave Juzong 19, uh, which he only had 17. Yep. But the finals was Maxley versus Quickly. Quickly went off. Quickly, 24-30. That is ungodly. He went off. That's why he's my most underrated player. But that's a, what's expected. And I, I need to correct myself because they did do a three-point competition last year because Quickly won that as well. We, we, we know what we're getting with Quickly. We talked about it last week or the week before when we did the SEC. Um, he's not going to do anything careless and turn the ball over a lot. He's going to hit you open shots. Good shooter. But I was more impressed seeing how great of a shooter Tyrese Maxey's got. Good form. He, he starts knocking threes down with his elite athleticism, get towards the rim. It's over. You can't guard him. And you mentioned his athleticism. Right after this, they had the dunk contest, which mm, nothing special happened. I mean, you say that, but we were making our dunks on the first try, and like the people up there in Louisville where they tried the same win with four times and missed every time. We tried to do flashy stuff. You did some weak stuff. You threw it off We were board. pounding it. What oh are you talking about? We he, also, we also a- did not play in the whole or- – on the arena, like you guys did, we played on a different court. Actually, oh we weren't even a court. We played outside. Oh my god! On like a half court. Yours was cool, but yeah. he's over here saying like the first dunk we seen. I don't remember if it was Tyrese Maxey for his cool Whitney. He had a, one of the teammates. I think it may be Hagen. Threw it off the side of the backboard, and we've seen it a million times, so we're numb to offside the backboard. But he, he windmilled it or dunked it like that, so it was a nice dunk. But we've seen all that stuff a million times. But y'all don't get worked up about these little dunk contests, three point contests, all you want. It's all about cutting them nets down, boys. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, this shit. and then, uh, <laughs> but Cleo Whitney ended up winning the dunk contest, which is no surprise to me. Yeah, he did have a cool dunk, though. He j- jumped over like three people, even though he pushed off one dude's arm. Um, yeah. but he's got did some did he jump over a key optima like Blake Griffin. No, no. okay, I'm not impressed, but he, uh, <laughs> He's got some balance to him. He's got some balance. First time uh, we'll, they debuted. We'll see him on SportsCenter a couple times. First time they debuted um, in Rupp Arena too. The upper part of Upper Arena has now got the seat back chairs, which was nice. Chairs. But the, I feel sorry for the season ticket holder next to me if that's the case, because this dude was a bear. Mm. About six eight, two forty, two fifty, oh just God, a monster. Yeah. Well, he's, he's probably going to be mad about them seats. Yeah, because <laughs> now they've all got seat backs in the upper arena to match what they do in the lower level. Yeah. But it, it took away like a couple thousand people. So like no longer is it like 24,000 in attendance. Now Rupp Arena is down to like 22. 21, 22. 21 and a half, 22,000. You've sat so, up there. I've sat up there. Oh, a bunch. Now, I've sat. And it's it's just uncomfortable. I mean, it, it's, the old, yeah, the old bleacher style seats. But, yeah, but they're going to, the ticket, we're going to up a little bit. It does make me sad though because everything's got to be modernized now, which I get it. But stuff that we're losing from our history, not just not just Kentucky, but sports arenas in general, like 
we're not going to have these games anymore where 45,000 people pack an arena because back then people didn't care if you sandwiched and sat on each other or stood in the aisles. Now there's like these fire codes and people need to be comfortable or they won't come to the game. And part of me gets it. Like I'm sure when I go to the game and I set up upper level and have these seat backs, it'll be nice. But there is a part of me that's kind of sad. I'm like, man, we just cut out like, 2,000, 2,500 extra seating or extra fans. So that means the prices per game now goes up because mm-hmm. there's a limited quantity of tickets now. So it does have some ripple effect while at the same time being nice. So I get it, but it does make me sad. Don't knock it till you try it. Let's, let's see what happens up there at that rep and go give it a sit down and see what happens. It's mm-hmm. still going to be the same electrifying stadium it's always been. Yep. Yeah, but that's true. That's a good point. It's just – there's certain stuff that I hate that uh, losing traditions over yeah, when you, across when sports in general. Accustomed to saying a twenty-four thousand, you drop it to twenty-two, it, it loses a little flavor. Yeah, because everything's trying to go like NBA style too. I mean, come twenty twenty-one, Lucas Oil, yeah. final four, final yep. four, not bang. this year but next year. And Luke, they actually host a, a regional this year. Regional so Sweet season. Sixteen, Elite Eight games will be played in Indy. Oh boy. Come on, Kansas. I'll be there. <laughs> well, that'd be the Midwest, and I think they've got Michigan State pegged to go there right now. Hey, I'll go watch Izzo, too. I'll give a I've, shit. I've actually seen that. I've seen that play out. The 2009 regional came through Indianapolis, and I was there for the Sweet 16 games and the Elite Eight games. Louisville was the one seed. They were one overall that year in 2009. They had that really great team with Terrence Jennings and all them, and um, Edgar Sosa and all that crew. Louisville – Played 12 seed Arizona that had Chase Budinger and all them blew them out by 30 points. Michigan State upsets Kansas that night, so it sets up an Elite Eight matchup. And Michigan State upset Louisville to go to the Final Four that year. So that's pretty cool. I was able to be there in person to see all that. You just doing Izzo things. You just had to mention that. He knocked out Kansas and Louisville in the same tournament, same weekend. I was there. Crazy. Not a good weekend for me. But you mentioned Big Blue Madness. Some of the recruits that was there, um, some of the recruits that was there was headlined by five star like, 2020 God Kate Cunningham. Uh, you had five star 2021 four Paulo Bontello there. Trey Kaufman was there from who, right here in Indiana, who's committed to Indiana. But that could be bad news for IU fans because if he went there and enjoyed himself, he could decommit since he's 2021 and he obviously can't sign his uh, LOI yet. So that could be bad news for Indiana fans. That's what I said. I said if you're an Indiana fan, you got to be at least a little bit worried because mm-hmm. even though the kid's given his verbal, until that piece of paper is signed, the kid's not locked in. We've seen it's it not. time and time again. Flipping, it happens more in football than basketball, but I mean, it happens every day in football. But in basketball, it does happen. And I mean, no offense. I mean, the kid is from Indiana. Go, Trey Kaufman is a four-star kid from Silver Creek, but man, that's on the Southern Indiana part. You start getting Louisville, Kentucky interested in you, unless you're just really wanting to stay in state and play for the Hoosiers, man, that you got to really consider it. Yeah, you have to. Because it's still close enough your family can come to every game if they want to, or at least every home game. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting. interesting. It's very interesting. But speaking of recruiting news, I'm going to go ahead and get into my recruiting news. Bye-bye. Starting off, Mexico uh, hosted four-star senior Bradley Zero? Yep. Uh, close uh, enough. For, as a Wiro or a Zero. A zero as what a school? Um, New Mexico. New Mexico. New Mexico. Yeah. Going down to the pit and playing. So they hosted him for his official visit uh, last week. Uh, five Star Four and Hunter Dickinson took his official visit to Notre Dame last week. 
Uh, he takes his final official visit to Duke next weekend, which is, I think is clearly a lock for Duke. Uh, I think it's they're predicting him to go to Notre Dame right now, crystal ball-wise, but not my crystal ball, which you can find on ecbpodcast10.com. There's another plug for that. Um, so you go find my crystal ball, what you think, um, or what I think he would go. We talked about this last week with the whole Duke situation anyways. Yeah, I ain't going to get back into that. Um, Arizona State has offered top 50 junior Frank uh, in a Selim. Yep. In Selim. Okay. In Selim. Yeah. Doing pretty good now. Frank Mason the second? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wasn't Frank Mason a third anyways? Nah, he's one of them, yeah. I thought he was. I thought he was. There's like 15 of them. He was. Yeah. Um, Penn State has landed one of 2018-19's breakout players, four-star senior DJ Gordon. Nice. Uh, he, cho- he chose them over Iowa, BCU, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, and Providence. Just, I mean, it's a good pick uh, Exactly, a good pickup because you don't think Penn State basketball getting four-star kids like that. No. Um, five-star junior Jaden Springer has now completed all of his official visits and would take some time to think about his college choice. Uh, obviously, he's going to talk to people close to him, and he could possibly announce his college choice in November. Um, I actually have a crystal ball for him, which will be out tomorrow. So you'll find out who I think he'll go to. Wasn't wasn't he at the Tennessee football game last week? Last week, last Tennessee week football game. against Georgia, Georgia, and there was a picture circulating around with him and some other people, him and some fans. Yep. Um, he's down to a final three of Memphis, Tennessee, and Michigan. Pretty good final three. Mm-hmm. Yep. 2024 star point guard Devontae Davis has committed to Arkansas. Good pickup. We talked about it. We gave him an A plus hire, or gave them an A plus hire when they brought over Eric Musselman from Nevada. His recruiting ties not only out west, but he's got this like kind of swagger about him. He's a good coach. Arkansas is going to be. We talked about this all in the spring when it happened, right? All the good things that he brings to Arkansas, and you're already seeing it starting to play out. Arkansas within a couple seasons. We'll be back to top of the conference, top 25 consistently, potential year in and year out chance to make deep runs. Oh, yeah. 2020 four-star small forward Dudley Blackwell is committed to Iowa State. <laughs> Cyclones. Four-star center class of 2020 Davion Bradford has committed to Kansas State. Man, trash. <laughs> That's Kansas State's uh, fourth commitment for the 20th. Yeah, they're class. starting to pick up some steam. I feel like them and Butler, for some reason, are picking up steam this last month. Yeah. Um, 2020 four-star point guard Davion Smith has committed to Mississippi State. Um, I think for a while he was a Louisville lean, which we lost out on him. So that's another guy we lost out of. Um, Chris Mack, by the way, did an interview. I don't remember who he did it with. Uh, maybe, maybe it was the ACC Media Day he did it. Um, talking about some of their 2020 misses. Obviously, we missed out on getting DJ Stewart, Namari Burnett, <clears throat> and now Damian Smith. Um, go listen. I think I, po- I posted them in the group, so you can go listen back to it. Um, but yeah, it's a huge pickup for the Bulldogs getting in. 2020 five star small forward Scotty Barnes will take an official visit to Kentucky next weekend. Came off recruiting news, nothing really major. Uh, BJ Boston. Did an interview and he's talking about the 2020 class and what they're missing. And he said for Kentucky, the, by the way, for, for new listeners or people out of the loop, um, he's talking about the 2020 class and what they're missing. And he said they're missing a front court player, and he says he kind of hinted at it—a silent commitment for the Kentucky front court for the 2020 class. Um, I had to think about it for a little bit, but I think I know who it is. I don't think it's Greg Brown. 
Um, I think it's Isaiah Jackson because if you listen last week to the podcast, Isaiah Jackson released his top three schools, which was um, Alabama, Syracuse, and Kentucky. Yep. I think he's. I think Isaiah Jackson's the guy he's hitting at, which would be a good piece. He's a five star guy, five star forward. He needs the only problem about him. He's a good player, but his he has an attitude problem. Right, he has an attitude problem. I, but it, in all fairness, this isn't mine. Like whatever you want to say it, but if there's one coach in America who can take somebody who has a history and blend them in and get them to fit in, and that's Coach Cal. And, Especially for just one year. Yeah. Yeah. And Isaiah Jackson, he played for Aspire Academy, which he played with Mark Walker uh, Watts and LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball, yeah. He played with all those guys. So he's a good player. That would be a good pickup. He's another player that I put my crystal ball in, will be out tomorrow. How about how about the other news that came out today when we were doing some news and notes and <clears throat> preparing for this show? Evan Daniels, the big time recruiting guru over at uh, 247sports.com, released. His new crystal ball prediction, which, by the way, so far this year for the 2020 class, I think he's like 22 of 22, something like that. He changed his prediction and put it in crystal ball for Cade Cunningham to Kentucky. When all this time everybody thought he was an Oklahoma State lean because they hired his brother as an assistant coach. If Evan Daniels is putting his crystal ball in for Kentucky, there's got to be a lot of smoke to the fire now. You just mentioned he was at Big Blue Madness, apparently enjoyed his his time there, and then now Daniels, two days later, removed from that event, puts his crystal ball prediction in. He don't just put a prediction in unless he absolutely has a good feel or good reading on him. I'm telling you, I think the smoke is there. I think he's coming to Kentucky now. I think Terrence Clark and B.J. Boston and company has worked <laughs> his magic. I think Coach Cal or who, and the coaching staff – um, especially like Joel Justice and Kenny Payne, assistant coaches. If Kate Cunningham comes to Kentucky, Duke just overtook him for the number one class in, that, in 2020 for now. Kate Cunningham comes, they jump back to number one instantly, and I don't think Duke can catch them. Mm, I don't think so either. Um, I'm still sticking up with my prediction of Oklahoma State. I'm still sticking true to that. I ain't going to change. But I can understand your excitement for this. Uh, Adam Daniels is obviously big in the recruiting. Um, obviously, he's like, what would you say his record was like 20 and 22? For, uh, 20 oh, he hasn't missed one, 100 and like 94 percent overall since he started doing it. Yeah, my thing is though, obviously, he's 2020, he's a big time guy. If you get him, you even said this yourself, I think you, I don't think you get Devin Askew, I really don't because he's 2021. But you've been talking about if he commits to Kentucky, he would most likely reclassify. Well, that's the rumor going around, the rumor. But then again, like, who would you want to have, Devin Askew or Kate Cunningham? Because yeah, I definitely do not think you're getting both, especially if Askew. The, you're right, but I literally just seen a thing today, too. I think it was on Twitter article. I might even shared it in the Facebook group. But somebody asked Devin Askew, and he said he wouldn't be opposed to teaming up with Kate Cunningham. Sure. Um, I don't know. I, I don't just know a, about Just that. picture this, just fantasy land. Imagine that, that backcourt – of Kentucky, should they all be in the class of 2020? How are you going to stop, at least on paper, Devin Askew at the point, you got Terrence Clark, you got Cade Cunningham would be starters. I mean, you still got B.J. Boston. You've got, yeah, you'd have Cameron Fletcher coming off the bench. And if you were right Lance about Ware. I, Lance Ware, and if you're right about Isaiah um, Jackson. Jackson. Man, I mean, that would be a great recruiting class, but 
that would be too much. I know Coach Cal, if anyone, Too much is never enough. No, I don't know about that. <laughs> That's too much. That's no, never many. enough. You, you say that, but look at the team that went undefeated until the Final Four. They did bring back a lot of experienced guys, but look at the recruiting class they brought in, too, to go with that. Thank you. You ain't getting either of them. Just saying. I'm turning in, tuning in to ecbpodcast10.com. I love you, Crystal Ball. I don't give a shit about that 247 guy. Yeah. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna listen to our guru, uh-huh. Mr. Payton. So I got We'll yeah, see. I like it. We'll see. Good <laughs> shit. We'll see. So with that, we mentioned last our next week, episode 41, we will have our official. It's going to be all about the ECB official preseason top 25. You want to hear the top 25 teams coming in that we feel in America, tune in next week. We'll have it all for you. We'll have it break down as to why. Expect a couple mid-major. Expect the usual suspects at top. Who's going to be number one? Who's going to be the top five? You'll find out next week. Peyton, I know you got something you want to hit Tyler with. I was going to ask this question last week, but I forgot because we recorded backwards. Um, So I asked Josh this question a couple weeks ago, and I think it's fun. I like it. He gave some good answers. So I'm going to ask you the same thing. So if you're creating a program and you can pick what jerseys you wear – what conference you play in, what coach you have, what arena you play in, and what fan base will you have. If you can pick all those, you can't pick Kansas for either of them. You can't pick your favorite school. Can't pick favorite school. So, 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 so Jersey? So, so start with jerseys. What jerseys were you wearing? Oh, man, there's a lot of good ones. There's a lot of good ones. Who did I go? I went to North Carolina. North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah. I think I went to North Carolina. I, I like classic, though. I like classic more than this flashy shit. So, I, oh, man. It's tough, ain't it? it on the fly. He, he hit me with it on the fly. On it's the tough. Fly. I'm telling you what, this, this is going to – I'd say Indiana. I like, good I like that classic. That's a good one. Uh, what conference were you playing? Conference? Uh, ACC. There you go. I, I think I went with Big East. Get big. Um, what coach do you have? Coach. Damn. I'd bring, War- I'd bring Roy back. No, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I like Roy. Roy or Izzo? Roy or Izzo? Did, I think I went with Beard, Chris Beard or Izzo. I went with Tony Bennett. Yeah. Tony Bennett? Okay. Um, what arena were you playing? Obviously, you can't play in Allen's or else. Everybody's fighting for second after that. I think I picked Assembly Hall, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Uh, I I think, picked, you picked Assembly Hall, I picked Cameron and Gordon. Just for personal nostalgia, the barn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a menace. Oh, I also picked the – no, I picked the Palestra from um, over there in Philadelphia. That's where yeah. I picked. Um, lastly, what fan base are you guys? And I picked Indiana for this. Fan base. Man, I'm, I'm sorry I can't do no these fucking Kentucky fans. You're, I, you're, you're one of the good ones, but man, some picked. of them eat me up. Josh is the exception to the rule of that. <laughs> uh, man, fan base. Shit, man. It's tough. They, they travel. Kentucky travels so That's why well. I picked them. I don't know. I don't know. I use it's really. They're just, they die hard too. Man, it's just, I don't want to. Let's go. You know what? Why not? Let's go West Virginia. They get wild. There you go. They get Country wild. Rose. They'll be ready to fight some. That's, yeah. a, that's yeah. such a hard thing on the fly. He it hit is. me with that one day at the end of the show, and I was like, "Whoa, wait a minute." Yeah, I'm thinking uh, about. I was going to ask you last week, but uh, I kind of forgot. Interesting. I like it. Yeah, that's fun. Um, like I said, next week though, episode forty-one, you'll tune in for our official. First ever preseason ECB top 25, and we will have the top 25 right, so don't listen to nobody else. Um, like I said, there will be some mid-majors, the usual suspects will be at top. The question is, who do we have number one? Because there is a debate between about three teams. Um, top five, there's probably like seven teams that we could throw in the top five. 
We look at the top 10. There's probably like 13 teams that could all go in the top. So you see where we're going with this. It'll be a debate for, the, honestly, the bottom five spots too, 20 through 25. So lots of fun. We'll do a lot of research for you and have a great show for next week. Again, don't forget ecbpodcast10.com. That's where everything's going to be at essentially for all the updates, blogs, articles, merchandise. This show will be up on there, all this good stuff, and we'll continue to add more as the website grows and grows and grows, sponsors and all that good stuff, right? Original content. Don't forget, if you're not a part of it yet, go to the Facebook group, www.facebook.com slash group slash everything college basketball. It's one word. Send an invite. You'll be accepted instantly like that. We are three weeks away, essentially, and some change from the start of college basketball. I couldn't be more excited. I know these two guys are. I'm sure you guys out there are as well. Champions Classic kicks off that night. Louisville versus Miami. North Carolina plays. ACC opens up. Craziness galore. We're almost here. We've waited all summer for it. It's been a long, long summer. We're ready to see some players hit the floor finally for some real action. And let's go ahead and get this 2019-2020 season underway. Countdown to March Madness begins three weeks from today. Oh, well, three weeks and some change. So. 23 days. 23 days. So for episode 40, our historical episode number 40, the ACC preview, I'm Josh Burton. Mr. Recruiter. Tyler Cook. And we will catch you next week with our top 25. We will see you then. Boom. Boom.